Ladies and gentlemen, it is Wednesday, February 28, 2024. We have 251 days till the election. This is the InfoWars War Room, your election headquarters. Brought to you by InfoWarsStore.com. Fastest three hours on the internet starts now. Let me tell you what we have coming up today. Big results out of Michigan. And I, I guess because there's so much other news out there and the Democrats don't really want to cover the primaries because they've been successful for Trump and they've got a Biden problem on their hands. So the primaries aren't getting much coverage or, or much enthusiasm. But the results last night were huge, not just for Donald Trump against Nikki Haley, but also for the Republican Party, which it is obviously likely that Donald Trump is going to be the nominee for the 2024 election. So we're going to look at some of those numbers, and then we're going to compare and contrast that from the 2020 primary results as well and talk about what it all means. And then there were some big developments on the Hill today. Mitch McConnell is going to be stepping down. No, not tomorrow, like he should. He's waiting till November. So this is really a a fake step down, I would say, from Mitch McConnell. This is like... If you know you're you're going to get fired, but instead you kind of reach a deal with your boss, like, hey, you know, I'm just going to resign so that you don't fire me, and you know, it, 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 it'll be better for everybody that way. So, really, Mitch McConnell has been fired by the Republican voters. Mitch McConnell has been fired by the conservative movement, the populist, nationalist, America First takeover of the Republican Party, the New Right. Mitch McConnell has been fired, but he's. He's going to step down. He's going to resign in November, which is about as phony as a as a resignation or a step down as you could get. So it's 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 nice now as we kind of have a bookend with the McAllisters. Now we have a bookend on the horrible Republican leadership of McCarthy, McDaniel, and McConnell, but. Mitch McConnell was not going to be the Senate leader in the next congressional session. His time as the Republican leader was up. So so this whole stepping down resignation in November is nothing more than self-aggrandizement and, and just more phonyism, false nobility from McConnell. And yet the story still remains, this is the new right. This is the America first takeover of the Republican Party. Matt Gates is celebrating it. We'll talk about that. You had Hunter Biden testifying on the Hill today. We've got some clips and some sound bites from some of the Oversight Committee's responses. Some interesting developments there. We'll get into that. Some other bad news for Republicans in the House, though. It looks like we may lose a good member of the House with, with some bad news coming for Lauren Boebert. So we will talk about that. The illegal immigrant news just never stops. At this point, it just never stops. And unfortunately, we're now reaching a point where, look, and I explained this yesterday, but we're now reaching a point where the odds are that I'll be able to go home safely and you'll be able to go home safely. My crew will be able to go home safely and and none of us will actually have to deal with this illegal immigrant crime wave. 
But but someday it's likely that you will at this rate. At this rate, it's likely that this illegal immigrant crime wave is going to personally affect us, affect our personal lives, our families, our friends, our communities. Because nothing is stopping the invasion. It's only getting worse. And just as we predicted, okay, well, maybe we've stalled it out in, in Texas. Maybe we've stalled out the invasion in Texas for the time being. Now it's just happening in California. So it hasn't really stopped. It's just been moved. But, you know, we don't we don't hear about the Americans that get murdered by illegal immigrants, raped by illegal immigrants. There was a cop that was brutally murdered. We don't celebrate them or hear their names. Why? Why do you hear about the George Floyds? Because that's propaganda, Democrat Party propaganda. Well, the establishment of the Republican Party looks to be on its last legs, ladies and gentlemen. Kevin McCarthy already out. Ronna McDaniel set to be out next, and now Mitch McConnell saying he'll step down in November, but that's kind of a false step down. He wasn't going to be the Senate leader in the next congressional session anyway, so this is really kind of a false, phony step down. And unfortunately, him not stepping down until November means he can just sabotage policy, cut deals with Chuck Schumer, sabotage Donald Trump up till the election. So that so that's really what that means. McConnell is going to step he's going to stick around long enough to sabotage Trump and America up until the election and then act like he's some sort of political nobility with his step down. So yeah, we're all excited that 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 swamp creature Mitch McConnell is stepping down, but he needs to step down tomorrow. If, if, he was, if he was truly stepping down, if he was truly stepping aside, realizing he's not helping anything anymore, he's not wanted by the Republicans anymore, then he'd step down tomorrow. So this is a phony step down, although it does represent a victory, I think, for the new right, the populist, nationalist, America first takeover of the Republican Party. We're no longer going to have losers like Ronna Romney McDaniel. Kevin McCarthy and Mitch McConnell leading us. And and hopefully if we do win a presidential election in 2024, maybe we have a House and a Senate that will actually get things done. Because that's what we want. We want political results. And we want policy that puts America first. We want results from the evidence we have against the Biden crime family. But I'll get to Hunter Biden's testimony coming up later on the show. We'll we'll dive into that in the second hour. I want to get into these these numbers from last night real quick and do a compare and contrast when it comes to 2020 and 2024. So Trump wallops Nikki Haley again in Michigan. And the latest numbers, and this is 99% reporting, Trump had over 750,000 votes. Nikki Haley, 295,000 votes. Trump getting 68%, Haley 26. So it was a it was a shellacking. Now, Haley continues to say she's not going anywhere. We all know why that is. But that's another big victory for Trump. Uh, of course, Biden mostly running unopposed. Gets 618,000 votes. That's 81% of the vote. 
Now, there were some interesting races at some local levels like Dearborn, Michigan, where Joe Biden actually lost to undecided or uncommitted, actually finished second to Joe Biden. So Marianne Williamson and Dean Phillips actually behind uncommitted. Now, to me, that means that maybe they vote Donald Trump. If they're not willing to vote for any other Democrat on the ticket now, if no other option is presented, do they vote for Donald Trump instead of Joe Biden? That's what it would mean to me. But nonetheless, there were important races like in Dearborn where Joe Biden actually lost to uncommitted or or undecided. But you look at the overall numbers, good for Trump, good for the Republicans, as Trump, with his 757,000 votes, beats Biden with 618,000 votes. And then even the runner-up, Nikki Haley, with 295,000 votes, beats the runner-up undecided with 101,000 votes. So the numbers were big for Republicans last night, not good for Democrats. Now, this is actually extremely reflective of the results before all the voter fraud in the 2020 election. But let's just put that aside and go ahead and look back at the 2020 primary. And if you're looking at these numbers, then you would say this is an even bigger victory for Donald Trump than just the 2024 numbers indicate. Because if you look at the primary results, the Democrats actually had big turnouts. They had big turnouts. With Biden getting 840,000 and Bernie Sanders getting 576,000, Trump, of course, won the primary with 640,000. Now, you could argue that's because people didn't get out to vote for Trump. He was the incumbent. It was pretty much assumed he was going to get it anyway. But but nonetheless, Democrats showed up pretty strong in the 2020 primaries for Joe Biden and Bernie Sanders. They did not show up. They did not show up this go around. Now, you could make the same argument that, well, that's because Biden is the incumbent. And yet still the numbers would favor Donald Trump for 2024 in, in all of these different angles and scenarios so big turnout for republicans last night small turnout for democrats and i think that is an accurate representation of voter enthusiasm as we head into the 2024 election cycle there is not much voter enthusiasm on the democrat side of the aisle the hatred for donald trump is just not there like it once was and the excitement for joe biden has never truly existed And I believe that's reflective in the final results from last night. But a lot of people, I mean, the Democrats' voter turnout was almost 50% of what it was in 2020. So that's not good news if you're the Democrats, and it was up for Republicans. Now, again, there's other angles, but still, I think you weigh it all and you say, this looks good for Donald Trump, and this looks good for Republicans, even down ballot, when you consider the 2024 presidential election. Now, a couple other things. 
We're going to play clips. We've got clips from the Hill in response to Hunter Biden's testimony today. But it's mostly what you would expect. So there is no Hunter Biden cooperation as far as these oversight committee hearings are concerned. There has been from Devin Archer. There has been from Tony Bobolinsky. There have been from four witnesses of the Biden crime family and the Hunter Biden business deals. They have four witnesses that have testified. And Hunter Biden's testimony is, well, let's just say it doesn't sync up. And remember, Joe Biden said, oh, I never talked to my son's business partners. Well, now um, Hunter has even testified to the contrary. But hey, and I was thinking about doing this as a gag, but, but I don't really have the time. But I was thinking about doing it as a gag, just picking up my phone right now and just calling my dad. Be like, hey, dad. He'd be, he'd be like, well, what, what are you doing? Aren't you on air? Like, yeah, how's the weather? Be like, what the hell is wrong with you, son? Are you feeling okay? Are you sick? No, this is normal. And so Jamie Raskin comes out and he says, yeah, because we have the texts, we have the voice recordings. It's, it's, it's all on record. Yes, Hunter would text threatening gangster mafiosa style messages to Chinese business partners saying, give me the money or my dad's here and he's going to make you pay. And so it's all on record that Hunter was contacting Joe during these meetings. And then they say, oh, he was just asking about the weather. Ah, yes. And Jamie Raskin says, everybody does that. Everybody calls their pops in the middle of a business meeting and asks about the weather. That's totally normal. (laughs) What? And it's Dan Goldman and Eric Swalwell up there nodding their head like totally normal. Yep. Yeah, people just call their dads in the middle of business meetings and ask about the weather. It's totally normal stuff. Nothing suspicious about it. But but still, Joe Biden said that he never even talked to them. Well, apparently, he at least talked to them about the weather. But maybe he also talked to him, um, I don't know, maybe about pizza or pasta or something like that. <sighs> so we're going we're gonna to cover that. And, and uh, I've also got big news on the illegal immigrants. The crime wave is just unbelievable. And then some other bad news for Republicans. But... Uh, It doesn't all have to be bad, but uh, sad news, I would say, personally for Lauren Boebert. But then what this could potentially mean for the House is uh, is also interesting. And then we're also going to be monitoring James O'Keefe. Look, Judge Ingeron is a bit of a freak, and he likes to work out. And I look, for an 80-year-old man or whatever he is, he's probably in pretty good shape. He's still going to the gym every day. He likes to take pictures of himself naked to, to see how good he looks. And who knows, probably sends him around to um, other ladies in the courtroom he's interested in. But but I'm, uh, that's a conspiracy theory. James O'Keefe, we're going to be on the lookout for this. It should be up now, but it, it probably just went up. James O'Keefe, undercover workout with Judge Ingeron. And um, knowing what an arrogant little punk he is, I'm sure he had something interesting to brag about to James O'Keefe. So all of that coming up. But first, we're about to be joined by Mickey Willis, an award-winning award-winning filmmaker. His most recent award-winning film, Plandemic, they did a screening here in Austin, Texas. It was uh, very fun to be a part of that. And he's got a new, I guess you might call it a sequel to Plandemic with a new spin, with a new spin. He's going to be joining us in studio coming up next
First, here's a little bit of a teaser for that upcoming film. So there you go. Uh, did you expect that? Did you expect that Mickey Willis's latest film would be a musical? I certainly did not. I got to tell you, I was just explaining to Mickey as he was sitting down in the studio. That was a curveball for me. Now I know you you've been you've been making films for decades. You've had multiple award-winning films. I mean, you kind of did a little bit of a pivot into more of the you might call it political documentary styles um, with the Great Awakening and Pandemic. But this is a totally different ballgame for you, a musical. Why? Why did you decide to make your next film a musical? Well, that's the question that everyone keeps asking. And the, the answer is actually... Why? We want to know why. <laughs> the answer is pretty simple, and that is music is one of the most powerful ways to communicate and also one of the most dangerous weapons when it comes to the, the power of indoctrination because what other forms, modalities of media do we repeat the lyrics to for 50 years, 60 years. Think about, you know, I had favorite songs as a, as a teenager in school. I hear them today. I'm still singing those lyrics. So those get embedded into, into our psyche. And our music, our art, all these the powerful expressions of our, our creative genius as the human organism have been hijacked by divisive, demoralizing messages. Um, even so that our, the frequency, literally the vibrational frequency of the music has been tuned away from harmonious frequencies to dissonant, um, disharmonious frequencies that, that lead to a lot of the stuff that's happening in the world. The stuff that you were just reporting on the crime rate, 
um, the the depression, the anxiety, all of that. People don't understand that when they're listening to their so- these songs that are playing on the radio, a lot of them have uh, become this um, this poison, this electronic vibrating poison that does affect us in a negative way. So this was for me an expression. The, the way it actually started was three years ago we were at Del Big Big Tree's house, the host of the High Wire, and we had a little bit too much wine. And Deepak, who was the musical director of Pandemic the Musical, was with us, and he brought out his guitar, and we started singing parody songs about COVID, because this was during the lockdown, and all of us were celebrating, 50 of us together, um, having turkey and celebrating Thanksgiving, and we started to sing these songs together, and someone said, oh, God, this would be a great Broadway musical, and I just hit me like a lightning bolt, and I said, we're going to do a musical. And some everyone laughed. My my wife knows that when I say stuff like that, that I mean it. She goes, "He's not he's not kidding," and, <laughs> and I said, "I'm not kidding." And so we started production on it, and it's really a call to for us to take back our our creative expressions, and also in in a, in a way to understand that in in a certain way we're living through the dark ages right now. And when you understand the connection to the Renaissance, Renaissance means rebirth, and the Renaissance period is what really pulled that era out of the dark ages. And it's time for us to activate the next Renaissance and to come back into creating our solutions. Um, you know, I always say it's, a, it's, we've been, we've been convinced and wired to see ourselves as consumers. They want us to just consume and consumption takes, but we're innately creators and, cre- and creators give. And so this is a really a calling for people to step up back into their creative expression. Don't let them kill comedy. Don't let them kill your music. Let's take it back. And let's begin to celebrate life again. Let's, let's break our addiction to the negativity because when we're absorbed all day long into the negativity, we start to kind of resonate with that. And we, and we don't even know that we're literally spreading that out in the world. The very thing that we're, that we're seeking to solve, we're actually generating in the world. So it's time for us to step back into a higher expression of who we are as creators. And that, that's what this musical is about. Well, and it, it seems that you got some pretty big names involved there, at least in that teaser. I mean, even some locals like J.P. Uh, Sears and Dale Bigtree. I guess my invitation got lost in the mail. Um, but I, I want to revisit the dark ages. I want to revisit the, the, the musical frequencies because I think this is very important. But I'm curious, who had the most influence? Because I did see Jimmy Levy. I did see High Res. You just mentioned the, the other director that was involved. I mean, did did you have some involvement? Who was really who was really kind of the driving force creatively behind the song, behind the dance, behind putting it all together? Well, well, the concept was mine. I wrote, I sat down and wrote a script, and I used to be a screen screenwriter in Hollywood. So I sat down, and it just poured out of me within a day or two. And and what was amazing is the lead actors. I, I want to give a shout out to Casey Harris and 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 Suzanne. Uh, she just changed her last name. It was Levels, and I'm so sorry, Suzanne. <laughs> Whatever you you went back to your maiden name. Um, they are the stars of this, and I had I had a very. I always start when I write something with I, I imagine a character, and I sometimes I write a bio of the character, who they are, where they grew up, just so I have a, a really clear archetype to, to write about, so their voice main, remains consistent as I'm writing, and I visualize this heavy set. African-American guy with an infectious smile. And I, and I also wrote that the, his love interest was this big brown eyed, beautiful, you know, um, cashier at this, at this, um, at this uh, market. And, and then I started to do casting here in Texas and it was, I couldn't find, I couldn't find the characters. I just couldn't find them. So I thought, geez, man, I'd hate to go back to LA for anything, but I think we're gonna have to go back to LA and cast 
cast these two roles. And then I go to my friend's roadhouse. It was her birthday, and she owns Pootie's Roadhouse. And, and she's, come, you got to see this band, Cap City Band. Come, come check them out. So we show up for her birthday. The two singers come out, and it's my two characters, literally. And they start singing and harmonizing together. And I was like, this, these are the people I wrote this for, literally. And so I, I went home, and I texted her immediately. I said, sorry, we had to leave early, but can you connect me with their manager, please? And they'd never acted a day in their life. When you see them in this film, you'll never know that because they're so talented. And because of their camaraderie of traveling together, playing every single weekend together, harmonizing together, their chemistry is on fire in this film. And, it's, and it's, it, you, you really believe it because it's a, it's, a, it's a love story, ultimately. Is, um, is the film still in production or have you finished it? Is it ready it's for done. screen? It's, it's in color correction right now, but it's 100% done. We premiere it March 9th in Las Vegas. That's the live premiere. And if anyone wants to join us, you can go to plandemic.com or you can go to replatformvegas.com. And we're part of this incredible event that has uh, three or four days of, of really incredible stuff happening from a whole COVID litigation panel where all the top attorneys and doctors are meeting to talk about bringing justice to the crime against humanity called COVID-19. We have a masquerade ball and then we have this parallel economy uh, uh, panels and discussions about really solutions and, and how we rebuild our nation and our world. And so that's March 9th, live in Vegas. I'll be there. J.P. Sears, Jimmy Levy, Judy Michaelvitz, uh, the whole cast will be there to, to meet everyone. And I, I, would, I would love to see people there in person. Now, Vegas, you know, there's kind of a competition to Hollywood forming Mel Gibson, Mark Wahlberg. They're trying to start up studios there, kind of compete <laughs> with the California Hollywood scene. Is that part of the reason why you chose Vegas? No, I, I, I wish I could say that was the reason, but, you know, I think part of it, this event was already taking place, and then they reached out to us and said, would we like to premiere our movie there? And we were just about to set another big premiere like the one you attended for The Great Awakening. We were just getting that lined up here, and this was an offer we couldn't refuse because it's in the city of sin, and we thought, if we can bring all these people here into Vegas and do this right, let's, let's do it in Vegas before we launch it locally. And so they already had this, the ball rolling, but I do love the fact that all these all these new endeavors are popping up right there in, in that really in the Mecca of, of what they call the city of sin and, and what better place, because there's so many players there that understand what's happening in the world. And there's so many people there that have resources. And one thing that our movement has lacked is the resources to compete with those who actually print their own money. You know, it's, it's like, we need the resources so that we can defend ourselves legally. I know you've had to do tons of that. And it's, it gets very, they're, they're one of the first lines of attack is trying to push us all into bankruptcy so we can't defend ourselves, right? We'll be right back. It's, we're up against a break. We'll be right back. Mickey Willis in studio. The new musical, the new musical, you heard that right, is coming out, uh, premiering March 9th in Vegas and then hitting local movie theaters. Is that the plan? I don't know that this one will be in movie theaters because it's connected to the pandemic um, brand and uh, that's that's still probably the only word. Someone told me the other day they said, you know, pandemic is the only word that you literally can't search on Google. It won't allow you to. to and if it does something does come up, it's n- never positive. So I don't think we'll go on musicals with this. And it's only twenty minutes long. The the movie we kept it very short. Um, but our next movie is definitely we're going to do a the- theatrical release on that. But this this one will be. I made a commitment in twenty twenty to not profit on the uh, pandemic brand at all. And so I've given my book away. Um, and all three uh, other uh, episodes of the Plandemic series are free online at plandemic.com. 
And this one too, well, we, we had an offer from Rumble to do a, a, a paid partnership. And I said, we're, we'd be super, um, super honored to do a partnership with you, but I just can't, I can't receive a dollar for this. And so it'll be free to the people shortly, sometime after the, the March 9th premiere, uh, we'll, we'll release it online and, and, uh, and give everyone a chance to see it and share it. Well, and speaking of censorship or, or getting blacklisted, you were telling me in the break that <laughs> Netflix is removing your name from some of the films that the project you've been on there on Netflix, they said, we got to take you off. Yeah. It wasn't Netflix itself. It was literally the production company that we did the movie for. And, uh, they had reached Crazy. out to me, they had reached out to me shortly after, uh, pandemic two came out and they said, you've, you've put us all in danger with, with doing the, the work that you're doing. They're totally woke. And they said, um, and you know, we have a, a Netflix distribution deal and we're very, very nervous that they're, they're going to, uh, uh, kill the deal once they see your name attached to it. And, uh, and they said, so we, we just really feel the best thing is just to remove your name totally from the movie. See, to me, that is the most unreal level of like, I, I'm like my soul, my soul <laughs> and my spirit is like wavering. Like what? Like yeah. you're a threat. That's it's like, wait a second. Yeah. You, you opened the border. You created a deadly virus. You created a deadly so. vaccine. It's like, wait, where are you guys? You guys aren't even your yeah. priority scale is completely reversed here. If you think that Mickey Willis is somehow a threat. It's all inverted. Uh, it's, it's insanity. But I want to get back to something you were talking about earlier, and that's the frequency in the music. Yeah. I think a lot of people aren't aware, and, and there's, some, there's, some, there's some deeper layers to this too. Even the way they recorded it from the frequencies that it gets broadcasted out on the radio, there's been so many ways music has quite literally been weaponized. It has absolutely been weaponized. I mean, we all understand the CIA connection to hip hop music and, and the messages that, that have, you know, been used through that medium of music for so long that have done so much damage to the hip hop community and to everyone who listens to hip hop with the demoralizing divisive messages about killing cops and hoes and all, you know, everything that, that, that those messages have, have achieved in creating. What a lot of people don't understand is that is that decades ago, once it was really discovered through science that you know, the, the planet Earth resonates. It's called the Schumann resonance. It, it resonates at a very particular frequency. And so uh, all, the, the human body is electromagnetic, vi- vibrating uh, being. And, and our music originally, when, when indigenous cultures came together to play music in African cultures, they understood that there's a certain resonance that brings people together in the celebration of life that helps you transcend, go beyond the mind, to understand, to receive higher intelligence, and to also unify not only with each other, but with nature itself. And those frequencies have been shifted to uh, dissonance, to chaotic frequencies that cause a lot of the problems that we're now experiencing in our societies. Or it's like if you can achieve a, a higher consciousness through music or a higher intelligence, you can also reverse that. You can have a lower consciousness, a lower intelligence. 100% right. So we... This is one of the greatest secrets that has been kept from mankind is is the power to understand the our hurts and and how we vibrate and that literally everything that we're absorbing that we're receiving everything is a broadcast a transmission and a receiver right so we're either right now you and I are broadcasting but at the same time that I'm broadcasting you're receiving what I'm saying and the audience is receiving that and so what is it at what level of what hurts, what frequency are we broadcasting and receiving? Because just like the radio in your car, you can be a very clear station that, re- that, that, that picks up um, music that actually uh, propels you into the awareness that never allows you to for, forget of the gift of life and, and how 
fortunate and honored we should be to just be taking a breath of every moment. And then you have the frequencies that suddenly make you feel like everything sucks. And when you start to understand that the frequency is used as medicine and poison, and that it's one of the reasons that our young people are having such a hard time right now, and, and yeah. it, it leads them to what we're looking at right now, like that's little Zan, right? A little a young... Little Zan? Little Zan, who named I'm, himself I'm after Xanax. That. Yeah. Right, which is a horrible, a horrible. You know, bill. and he's he's making a reversal in his life, from what I understand right now too. But these That's kids good. are starting to wake up to realize like something's wrong with us. We've never, you know, we don't have any of our our friends aren't well. Um, everyone's on medication. Everyone's on op- opioids, and they're suicidal. And and something's going on with us. And the music is a big part of it. So when we set out to make a musical, I, this wasn't trivial to me. This was like, no, let's let's. Let's celebrate life. Let's put some powerful messages in there. With, with, with the, uh, this one, the message really is clear. It's, it's, this isn't going to stop until we stop it. That's, that's the key message that activates this transformation in this, in this grocery store from one of the gloomiest zombie. I, I'd say I want it to look like zombie land, right? Just green fluorescent lights to this spectacle of the variety show where down every aisle is a different genre of music to really kind of celebrate the melting pot that is America and, and to, and then suddenly everything becomes vibrant and alive. And it's like, that's what we need to do right now on planet earth here as the organism that is humanity is to remember who we are as creative beings. And the moment we do, we start to immediately realign with, with what we need most right now, which are solutions. I'm so tired of talking about the problems every week. And I speak in a, in a new, in a new city. And I have, to, I sit there sometimes with a, a lineup of amazing, brilliant people but I usually walk out of the room and just say, let me know when I'm up. And the reason is because I'm tired of hearing about myocarditis. I'm tired of hearing about all the problems that we get it. I knew this in 2022. What are we moving on to next? And can we start talking from a human standpoint of, our, of the importance of family, the importance of our children? Can, can you know, men have kind of been, you know, uh, just kind of discarded as these, you know, these caregivers, but, you know, dad's voice doesn't really matter anymore. Bullshit. Like dads get involved in your families again. It's not only the women that are the nurturers. We need the dads. When I go to these events, 2,000, 4,000 people, 70% of them are mama bears in the audience. And I always say, where's your husbands? Wait, oh, they're home watching football or whatever. And, and that, that, is, uh, that is something that we need to evolve past right now where the men understand that the more time we give to all these, uh, these meaningless fetishes, the, the more that this, our freedoms are being encroached upon. And just like we're doing right now, so many people waking up to, to ask the question of like, how the hell did all of this happen? Well, we've been sleeping. So this is yeah. the time to wake up. Well, I think the awakening has definitely happened and the evidence is everywhere. And um, mm-hmm. just to respond to everything you said in, in a quick 90 seconds before we break for the next segment, you know, the, the one thing that kind of, cause I come from the sports media, I come from the sports world. And when I kind of went into my shift and in going into politics and, and my awakening, red pill, whatever you want to say, the, the one thing that really stuck out to me, and it was always kind of lurking there when I grew up, you know, when I matured as an adult, it was, you know, you see these men that go to, say, a football game. And I like sports. I still like sports. But you see these men that go to a football game, and they've got the whole body paint. Another man's name on the and back. They're, and they're <laughs> screaming at the top of their lungs, yeah. and they're so passionate. I'm like, I'm like, my brother. If you could just put that energy and commitment towards something that matters, 
we probably wouldn't be in the position we're in, but not to it's, it's go true. off on that jack. You know, the one thing, too, I think that this is what I – when I talk about there's a new right forming, it's it's kind of taking over the Republican Party. We want results. Yeah. We don't want to hear about the Biden crime family. We want to see somebody in cuffs going to prison for the crimes that they've committed. And then and then to kind of close out with the, with the music situation, cultures have known this since beyond any of the modern-day technology has been around, that you can use music to kind of put people into a trance or to train them. That's why war always had music, whether it was trumpets or drums. It was like, boom, as soon as you heard that, you know, oh, I'm in fight mode now. So it's been trumpets, it's been drums. So music can also be used uh, to put you into a trance, a state of mind. Mickey Willis is our guest. The new pandemic musical is coming out soon. You don't want to miss it. We'll be right back. I'll tell you, we got to, I always talk about we need to have Mike's live here. (laughs) Then we wouldn't be able to pay the bills around here. All right. I want to talk about something that Mickey Willis, my studio guest, brought up earlier, and that was the Dark Ages. You said something that some people may have heard it and thought, oh, wow, he's right, or they may not have understood what you were saying. You said, well, we live in a modern-day Dark Ages. Most people probably can't even comprehend what you just said. Well, what do you mean? How can I live in the Dark Ages? I have this smartphone. I've got my brand-new flat-screen TV. I've got my cool new Tesla vehicle. Like, look at all the cool stuff. They just built a new sports stadium. It's like, no, 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 no. The dark ages we're, we're referring to is the degradation of culture, the degradation of civilization. Yeah, I can go to the brand new sports stadium. I mean, Austin is expanding. They got new sports arenas everywhere. I can go downtown to the new uh, basketball arena concert venue, and I'm going to see homeless people. I'm going to see violent crime. That's the representation of the dark ages. You know, that's what it is. It's, it's the culture that promotes trans kids. It's the culture that promotes satanic music to the children. I mean, that's the dark ages you're speaking of, but you talked about the Renaissance was the answer to the original dark ages. I want you to expand on that a little bit because I think that's an interesting observation. Absolutely. Well, the parallels are are pretty remarkable when you consider, so the the world was, the, the Black Plague was kind of the COVID of that era, right? And so everyone is dying from the Black Plague and there's ashes in the air, from I don't know how many people know that uh, "Ring Around the Rosies" is actually a song about the Black Plague. You know, I mean, the, the kids sing "Ashes, Ashes, All Fall Down" is kind of an cremation thing. If the kids knew, what <laughs> if the kids knew what they were singing, exactly. And so you, you know, the world is plunged into this very depressing dark age where everyone is living in fear of death. Um, and then there are a lot of things that happen within within the two hundred year span of you know things like the invention of the printing press, the inven- invention of paper, which allowed for the dissemination of information and poetry and art and 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 biblical information and 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 new new I- ideals, um, and and so after you know years and years of being really in, under the stranglehold of this very very dark period of time, as the people started to just reach a point of like I'm we're done with this, the human spirit emerged, and that's why when you see the Renaissance period, you see these fabulous hairdos and these dresses and these suits and, and, and art and literature and poetry and everything. They started to share this information. And I always look at the printing press like today's the Internet is the modern day printing press. Right. So that allowed us to share information on an, even a larger scale with everyone. So now for better or for worse, the Internet's doing tons of damage right now. But we can actually everything's a weapon or a tool. Depends on how we use it. And so this is the this is the moment for us right now to declare that we're ready for the next renaissance where we're going to unleash the creative spirit the brilliant resilient creative spirit that is humanity and we're going to stop waiting for the hero to come save us 
and to realize that truly, if you look at, if you just understand the work of Joseph Campbell, who spent his lifetime studying uh, mythos and the stories that humans have been telling each other from the beginning, from the etchings on the cave wall to the campfire stories, and he spent his whole life accumulating all these stories from all different cultures, all different periods of time, to find out what is the commonality? Why do we tell these stories? And, and then when you look at them, you realize, you know, there's a common thread in all of these. And he mapped that out and ended up calling it the hero's journey. And, and ultimately what the heroes, the plight of the hero is, years ago, Hollywood adapted his hero's journey story. And it is now literally the foundation of the three-act play that creates every Avengers movie and every epic story out there. Based loosely, directly or indirectly on Joseph Campbell's work, which is about a reluctant hero that stumbles upon some major event that is, is threatening life in some way. It could be just threatening his life or it could be the end of the world. And they are suddenly the person, think of Richard Dreyfuss in Close Encounters, right? He sees the UFO and now he's the crazy guy and he's shaping mashed potatoes to look like Devil's Tower. And he, he's obsessed with finding the answer and moving forward. And you think of Neo and the, and the Matrix and Luke Skywalker and all these epic stories. What is it that the hero ends up learning? It's cliche at this point. They go through this entire journey and they meet all these shapeshifters and what they call threshold guardians and people that try to thwart his journey and mentors that try to help him move forward to finally learn you are the one, the force is within. And I believe this is the stage that we're at right now in humanity, that we are stepping up to realize, even if we have great hope for Donald Trump or whoever it is that you're hoping for, that they can't do it alone, whoever it might be. It requires the entire organism. If we consider ourselves to be vital cells in the body of life, in the body of humanity, um, it just doesn't take one cell to make your body healthy. It takes all the cells working in tandem to do what they were literally born to do, which is to create life, to create your life. And so it's, it's all of our duty right now, literally, if we care and if we choose this, it's our duty to step forward, to understand our value, our worth. We have been, uh, it's been systemically stripped away from us, our purpose in life. And so most people are leading meaningless lives. And for me, the key to a powerful life is coming back into our purpose to realize what, what we came here for and for everyone to, to take action into that every day, whether it's just speaking out online in the smallest possible way or doing something grand like you do every single day broadcasting to the world. Um, but do your part, whatever it might be, because we truly, uh, you are the one you've been waiting for. And, and that is the message that I hope we all wake up to very fast. Well, and I think it's, it's also a, situation where you lead by example or some people say be the change you want to see in the world it's kind of the yeah. left has kind of stolen that one but it's but it still has it's true though. there's still there's still a reality to it it's like you saying i'm not going to do the typical hollywood stuff anymore i'm going to i'm going to do stuff that that tells the truth i'm going to do stuff that changes the world the way i want to see it you know i think donald trump has inspired a lot of people to get involved politically i mean so that's what it is it's not saying oh look donald trump's going to solve all my issues oh Donald Trump inspires other people to get involved. I mean, I look at Alex Jones, and when I decided to make the switch from sports media to politics, I could have just said, oh, Alex can just do all of it. I don't, I don't need to do political media. Alex can just do all of it. No, I said, oh, Alex needs help. Other people need to get uh, in on this messaging. Other people need to get their voices out here. Other people's sphere of influence needs to be heard on all of this. And so I think that people are starting to realize that. And, and look, how, look how 
what a, a valuable asset you are to humanity right now because of that. I mean, it's great that you were into sports, but is, is that really what you were born to do? And would you would you be 80 years old on your deathbed and have your grandchildren asking you, what what are you most proud of right now? And you're like, well, I, I called a really game great game one day. Would, would, way, would, this, would that be the most fulfilling thing in your life? You, you talk about anything can be a tool or weapon. This pen right here, you mm-hmm. see this pen? This would mm-hmm. be propaganda, or this would be a contraband in prison. Yeah. You wouldn't be allowed to have this no. because it'd be you a weapon. Why? Yeah. Somebody would get stabbed with it. Yeah. <laughs> so right. it just shows you a pen sitting on this desk, perfectly innocuous. You're not feeling threatened right now. But in prison, uh, I don't know. Now, do you, uh, you, you mentioned kind of thinking Broadway play with your new musical that's coming out soon do you want to put it on broadway is that something you've thought about that, that's been coming up a lot lately and if there's any broadway producers out there um reach out to me through our website at plandemic.com because i'm interested in it because after putting this together i thought this would actually make uh this would make a great broadway show there when we originally sat down with the guitars three years ago at thanksgiving we had all these characters in mind like we had this big obese character named Big Pharma, right? We, we made him an actual character, and then we were reversing all their names. We had Gil Bates and Anthony and Fanthony Alchi, and we were making up all these characters. We didn't do that in this particular musical, but, but there's a musical in there uh, that I think would be very healing for the people, you know, to be able to, uh, to not make light of the situation because it's a tragedy that has done harm to, to billions of people around the world. So no one's interested in, in, in taking a low road like that. But at the very same time, if we want to ensure that this never happens again, we need to find what better gift than comedy than to have us um, uh, look deeply at the, 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 the true damage that this thing has done all, all through song and dance and comedy to understand really how ridiculous it's all been. And, and at the same time, how ridiculous we've been, because none of this would have been possible. You know, when people ask me all the time, who is they? You talk about they a lot. Like, well, the real answer is, you know, the, the real they will never know what their names are. And, of course, there's the usual suspects, Klaus Schwab's and George Soros. We can name them all day. But the real they is us. The real they is us. The real they are the ones who have been, have allowed all these distractions to consume us, for us to think that the house and the car is, is the ultimate goal. When we've taken our eye off the ball, the ball of our relationships, off of raising our children, being great great husbands and great wives, being loyal friends, and coming back with those old-fashioned morals and standards that we were born to live under. And if we, could, if we can do that again, which we can, because that's our nature, it's literally the easiest thing for us to do. Being demoralized takes a lot of work, and it's painful, and, it, and it's, it's why so many people are, uh, are not happy right now. So we just have to come back, I, I believe. Uh, if you remember the, at the end of The Great Awakening, um, there were, I had a lot of pressure to put a lot of calls to action there. And I said, no, I, all I really want to tell people they have to do, because I don't want to leave this like there's a lot of work to do. All I want people to know is all we have to do is remember. We've forgotten yeah, our show humanity. Show them the trail, give them the clues. And let We've forgotten our humanity. We just Mickey Willis, PlandemicSeries.com. Thank you so much. Thank you, brother. All right, ladies and gentlemen, great conversation there with Mickey Willis. And here's an example of the awakening that's taking place. There's so many different angles here, and I, and I covered it a bit yesterday, but there's a major awakening to, A, that the Democrat Party is filled with liars and corruption. It's undeniable, and a lot of people don't want to be involved with that. They might have liked some Democrat policies. They might have fallen for some of the leftist propaganda, but, but now they're saying, no, this isn't working. Illegal immigration has been a big case in point. So... 
You have people leaving the Democrat Party. You have people asking basic questions like, wait a second, why do illegal immigrants get put ahead of Americans? Why can't we get funding for the border? But we have all this money for Ukraine, for Israel, all these other countries around the world. So you have that. And then you have also the aspect that, well, wait a second, nobody even knows a Biden voter. How did he win in 2020? How could a Democrat win in 2024? So there's all these different angles. But, but here's an example of this before I run out of time here. This is a Democrat, former Democrat activist, a reverend who goes on a rant turning on the Democrat Party and how he's realized all the wrongs of the current Democrat Party and he can't support him anymore. Here it is in clip 13. You know, black people used to be Republicans until right after the Great Depression. I know we, we've written this donkey as far as I can take this. Okay, it's pretty, it's, it's dead. I'm ready to get on a great big old African elephant. Right? We have to remember who Joe Biden is. This is a guy who was uh, mentored by Senator Byrd and people like Strom Thurmond, the card-carrying members of the Ku Klux Klan. So, you know, she represents... Uh, Republican 2.0. What she's talking about for us is a new emancipation, socially, politically, economically. It's, it's emancipation 2.0. Uh, and we have a real opportunity, not only with her candidacy, but with President Trump, to uh, start again in this country and recognizing where we've been. Look, I'm not telling any of you who are Democrats to remember your voter registration Okay. <laughs> Maxine Waters, Auntie Maxine, imagine if she was really your auntie. She's really my auntie. What I'm saying is this. After all of those years of dealing with failed policies, how many more how, how many more lives, how much more time, how many more generations are we going to sacrifice at the altar of Democrat politics when they treat us as a political afterthought? An afterthought. It's time for us to make a positive choice in our own best interest and vote for the candidates who are in our own best interest. And if they are Republicans, then so be it. When uh, white America, working class, and black America, working class, decides to work together, there's no demographic that can stop us. What other sign from God do you need than to see the predominantly white Republican Party uh, moaning, groaning with us about the likes of the FBI and the CIA? We're talking about God's timing, right? Uh, doesn't he have a way of making strange bedfellows? He has a way of drawing us together in perilous times to stand together, work together, fight together, vote together, lead this country together. Because those uh, people who are inclined to its destruction are our common Ladies and gentlemen, this is not an isolated incident, and this is just the beginning. The the awakening, I, I'm telling you, I, I really believe that, um, I mean, it really is either the Democrat Party ends as a political operation in the United States of America, or the United States of America ends. You can't have both for another four years. You either get the United States of America, or you get the Democrat Party. And I think everybody's realizing that now. I have not even plugged today. We need to fund this operation. We need to fund this great crew. We need to keep InfoWars on the air. So please continue to support us. 
by shopping at InfoWarsStore.com. And the best supplements there at the best prices is what we offer. Whether it's telomere support, cellular energy support with DNA Force Plus, the Elite Flagship Supplement, which, by the way, goes great with the Real Red Pill Plus, both 40% off individually, 50% off when you buy it in a combo pack. Cannot recommend that enough. Or maybe it's the 10 hours of clean energy in one scoop of TurboForce Plus from InfoWarsStore.com, also 40% off. All these great supplements available on sale right now at InfoWarsStore.com. But then there's things that you need, water filters, emergency food supplies, even toothpaste, things you need at InfoWarsStore.com. So we make it easy for you to support us with great products at InfoWarsStore.com. And it's how we remain independent. It's how we remain on air is your continued support at InfoWarsStore.com. So we thank you. Now, Hunter Biden. Hunter Biden testifies that he never involved his father in his business dealings. Hunter Biden sits in on closed-door deposition with House Oversight and Judiciary Committee. Well, he was was testifying himself. Uh, Okay, well, Joe Biden also said he never contacted any of Hunter's business partners, but that was a lie. In fact, they were going to the White House dozens of times. So we now know that is a confirmed lie. And there were some other interesting developments as a result of this closed-door testimony. I've got some clips we're going to go to from uh, afterwards as well. But So now they admit, oh, well, yeah, Joe Biden was in contact with Hunter Biden's business partners. They were just talking about the weather. Yeah, just talking about the old weather. <laughs> oh, yeah. Hey, guys, I'm going to need to take a quick break from our business to call my pops to ask him about the weather. It's like in the the great film The Departed when the, when the uh, informant calls up the mafia boss and says, Hey, uh, tell mother I am not going to be home for supper. And he's like, oh, they're not talking about dinner. That means a raid's coming. So they clean up their stuff and they don't get raided. But of course, talking about the weather is not even uh, some euphemism for some crime the Bidens are committing. They're just lying about it. So we went from, I never, Hunter Biden doesn't even do any business. So yeah, Hunter Biden does business, but I don't know about any of his business. I've never talked with Joe Biden or uh, with Hunter Biden's business partners to, well, we did talk, but just about the weather. So what's the next phase? Okay, yeah, we committed all the crimes. I don't see how this is avoided, by the way. So let's go to a couple responses here. And, and we there, there, there were all kinds of responses. I just couldn't pull in all the clips because of the sake of time here. But let's let's go to first... Representative Nancy Mason, clip 11, saying Hunter is being defiant and dishonest in his testimony. Hey, how are y'all? Uh, we said we weren't going to do this, but since the left came to the microphone in the middle of the deposition, that I'm going to do the same thing this morning. The two things I'm going to say this morning so far in the first hour is that Hunter Biden is being defiant 
and also dishonest. And his testimony, some of it, is in direct conflict with other witnesses. And so the transcripts will be out. I won't go into detail. You'll be able to see it for yourself. But um, it's no surprise. It's no shock uh, that he is being that way. And in some cases, he doesn't recall. He said that multiple times this morning, which, again, is not a shocker either. But um, defiant and dishonest would be the way that I would describe his testimony so far in the first hour. No, he's not done that yet. But I would tell you that his testimony is in direct conflict with other witnesses that so far the Oversight Committee has interviewed. Which witnesses are they in direct conflict with? Uh, you'll read the transcript. I'm not going to go into details because we agreed that we would not do that in the middle of the deposition. So once the, the transcript is out, I'm happy to talk about it in more detail. That's what I'll say. Thank you, guys. Now, by the way, she also, in a, in a prior stop by the podium there, because that was the, the second break they took, and I guess the final break, they had, a, they had a break earlier, and she basically said Hunter Biden has perjured himself because he made claims that we have evidence to the contrary. And again, they, they folks, that's what I'm saying is they have all the evidence. They have the bank records. They have the transactions. They have the checks. They have 10% going to the big guy, Joe Biden, and then they have the four witness testimonies. So they have all the evidence. So Hunter Biden, so, so Nancy Mace previously before that, had said, Hunter Biden lied, he perjured himself, we have the evidence. So she also mentioned the Democrats went to the podium and they basically said, Raskin steps up and says, oh, well, yeah, Joe Biden lied about not talking to Hunter's business partners, but, but they just talked about the weather. It's normal. He literally goes, it's normal for people to do that. To call up your dad in the middle of a business meeting to talk about the weather. It's normal for people to do that, said Jamie Raskin. I mean, th these Democrats, there's not a lie they won't tell. I, I Again, how much of a political impact this has, it's probably less than the illegal immigration, quite frankly. I don't even know if, if charging the Bidens with these crimes does much for you. I mean, justice be done, may the heavens fall, if that's your philosophy, but... Getting rid of Joe Biden, it would be doing a favor to the Democrats at this point. So I, I, I'd still wait to see what they do now as far as the nomination in August. But here's Matt Gates. Matt Gates visiting the podium in clip 10. Um, yeah, I, I, I'd say that there were a number of interesting moments, but perhaps none more interesting than when Hunter Biden told us that he uh, joined the Burisma board to counter Russian aggression. I, I hadn't heard that one before, that thank goodness we had Hunter Biden on the Burisma board uh, because that was uh, central to his strategy to stand up to Vladimir Putin. Has so, he taken the fifth at all? No, he's, has, answer, he's, he's, he's been responsive to questions. Has he yes. told you exactly what value he brought to any of these wars, any of these companies yet? Have you guys asked him that? Yeah, we've asked those questions, and there is, there is an illusory value. It is a mirage to believe that Hunter Biden was engaged in international business. This was uh, a bribe masquerading as an international business transaction. Nothing more, nothing less. Can we just quickly ask you, do you still feel the impeachment inquiry is heading in a direction where you actually be able to vote on articles of impeachment? Well, here we're asking questions about these corrupt business practices. Uh, I'm, not really, I'm not really framing that through the lens of next steps. I'm just trying to get the facts. Mm -hmm. I, I, uh, 
I, I have to say, I thought it was a pretty strange. I thought it was a pretty strange uh, statement. Either perhaps it jumps off the page when he says it in his own words. Do you think has he said anything that specifically implicate the president? Have you seen evidence that the president was involved in those business dealings? I believe that you can actually bribe someone by paying their family members. Like I don't get this construct that unless Joe Biden himself received cash, that he somehow wasn't involved in the bribery operation. Joe Biden was doing the bidding of. Burisma. He was doing the bidding of Chinese communists, and his family was getting enriched as a consequence. To me, that's a pretty strong case for bribery. Really quickly, I'm sure you've heard the news about Mitch McConnell. Any reaction? Yeah, that's a good point there at the end. And uh, Gates actually did have a comment about Mitch McConnell. He says, we've now 86 McCarthy, McDaniel, and McConnell. And that is a victory, of course, with McConnell with the fake stepping down, it's it's a fake resignation, folks. I mean, it's, you know, the boss calls you in and says, hey, you know, we got to fire you, but um, why don't you just, why don't you just resign or retire and, you know, we can all move forward amicably and avoid any embarrassing situations for anybody here. But, but McConnell, oh, I'm, oh, I'm stepping down. <laughs> My time here is finally up and step down now. Why are you waiting till November? Well, we know why. So he can let Chuck Schumer run his policy in the Senate and so he can sabotage the Republicans in the Senate right up to the election and then step down right before he would have been ousted as the Senate leader of the Republican Party anyway. So so it's a it's a faux step down. But, you know, we, we celebrate it because it's like, oh, th- it's like, thank God, no more Mitch McConnell. But at the same time, it's 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 totally phony. All right. Uh, let's go to one more clip here. Here's James Comer speaking to the press about Hunter Biden's testimony today. And then there's the cover-up. Mr. Chairman, what evidence do you have that either as vice president or as president, Joe Biden used his political office in any way to benefit either Hunter or James Biden's family? We have evidence that uh, Joe Biden met with the Chinese officials. We've had several people already testify that. What action, how, did, how is AmeriCorps help? How is this Chinese business helped by the fact that... So, so is, okay, so, so let me ask you a question. It, you mentioned AmeriCorps help. Does anyone in here question whether or not that was influence peddler? Does anyone question that? No. He got two hundred thousand dollars from it, and the evidence that that Joe Biden, that Jim Biden said Joe. No, listen. Look, you can you can defend Joe Biden all day long. You can defend Joe Biden. You can be, you can be on his legal defense team. Kevin Morris will probably pay your legal bills if you want. But at the, no, I am answering your question. You don't you you don't understand what we've said over and over and over. Joe Biden took two hundred thousand dollars directly from AmeriCorps Health. Do what? He was a private citizen at the time of the two hundred thousand dollars check. Was he not? The the four hundred the forty thousand dollars. So it's okay. So so so. Do you have a problem that Joe Biden's lied about this? Do you have a problem that that AmeriCorps Health hooked investors? I'm asking you. What specific action did he take as a public official, an elected public official? Well, with the with the with the with the. Yeah, okay, hey, calm down, calm down. It's okay, it's okay. All the angry liberals, that what you're saying, they'll, they'll be all right. Okay, all right. Listen, he took three and a half billion dollars from the Russian oligarch. There have been three sets of sanctions. She has not been listed on any of those sanctions, even though you know the the most important issue, according to. Joe Biden in in America right now 
is giving Ukraine another blank check. Uh, there are issues with, uh, in Ukraine that we're investigating. There are issues with the, the Russian oligarch where they, they weren't. You look at the money they got from China. Many of us believe that Joe Biden has a China first, America last policy. So when we issue the report, when we have the public hearing, uh, many of these policy discussions will be debated. And one more question. One more question. I, I can't hear you. I'm sorry. Is there anything new you expect to glean from today's deposition? We... Uh, we have a lot of questions for Hunter Biden, uh, specifically revolving around the, the 100 plus suspicious activity reports you got, uh, sp specifically around what some of his associates have testified that uh, Joe Biden communicated frequently with all of these shady characters who are wiring the family money. So uh, we have a lot of questions for Hunter Biden based on financial crimes that he was being investigated for by the IRS, Criminal uh, International uh, Crimes Division of Shapley and Ziegler. So we're going to try to get all those questions in. And, I, and I, let me close with this. This investigation is about public corruption. Now, the American people do not want their public officials, families, to peddle access to their leaders to the tune of tens of millions of dollars. You may think that's okay, but I can assure you the American people do not. I've traveled from Connecticut to Arizona campaigning for members of Congress that are seeking re-election and, and running for election. And everywhere I go, they're the same thing. Thank you for trying to find out the truth. Thank you for trying to stop this cottage industry of influence peddling. That's what this investigation is all about. The purpose of this investigation, if you go back to the very first press conference, was to get the truth to the American people because the American people didn't have the truth. They didn't have the truth. They, they, the media narrative when we started this investigation was the laptop was Russian disinformation. The Bidens had legitimate businesses. Joe never talked to any of the people that sent him money and none of this happened while he was vice president. All of that we've proven is false. We've been very effective in getting the truth to the American people. Now my job as chairman of the oversight committee is to prevent influence peddling from happening in the future. And that's always been the purpose of this investigation, to create legislation, hopefully it'll be bipartisan, that defines influence peddling and stops it from happening. We need to stop the Menendezes and the Bidens from continuing to enrich themselves in our public offices. Thank you all very much. So there it is, James Comer. Now, again, folks, you have to understand something. They have all the evidence. It's, it's not a debate. Was, was the Biden crime family taking money from all over the world? They've listed five countries that we know of where they've been taking foreign payments. And many of them, they have the proof on record of Biden getting 10%. And James Biden and Hunter Biden claim that these are loans or gifts, whatever the deal is. It's all on record. So... It's, it's funny, Comer there laughing, saying, hey, all you liberals freaking out, calm down, calm down. I mean, what are they going to do? It, it just shows you how completely brainwashed the American left is. They're going to see, if they haven't already, the proof of Joe Biden getting 10% of these payments. They're going to see all the money in the millions of dollars coming into multiple members of the Biden family, at least five. And then they're going to see Biden getting 10%. They have the bank records. They have the transactions, the wires, the checks. And then even the testimony from four Biden business partners. 
And then Hunter Biden says, oh, well, I, I joined the board to stop Russian aggression. Who buys that? So the, the Bidens are cooked. Now, if anything happens, who knows? I just hope the Republicans are being strategic about this. I hope they have a plan to see some justice here, but also not do the Democrats any favors by removing Joe Biden from the race for them. I think that would be a mistake. I think you force the Democrats to go into the 2024 election with Joe Biden. Then you slam him. Then you slam him with all the charges or impeachment or whatever the hell else you can do. But it's open. It's shut. 10% for the big guy. Hunter Biden, James Biden, the rat holes, the bag men selling the Biden brand. It's really, it's really a spectacle to think about. And this guy runs for president and they elect him. And they all knew. They all knew that he was that corrupt. And, but not just the corruption. The, the, it's all on record. They have the text messages, the bank records. He's not even a smart criminal. Hunter Biden is an idiot. He, he had the proof of all the crimes on his laptop, on his phone, in his bank transactions. But let's just digress. A couple other political stories developing. The Supreme Court to decide Trump's immunity claim in election interference case. The Supreme Court today has agreed to decide whether former President Donald Trump can claim presidential immunity over criminal election interference charges adding a new hurdle to a trial taking place. So this plays into the strategy of delay. Whatever the result ends up being, it's the delay tactic that Trump's legal team is going for anyway. So you would say that's good news for that. Uh, Here's some bad news for Republicans and, and, and Lauren Boebert and her family personally. Let's not forget that these are people. Representative Lauren Boebert's son, Tyler, arrested, faces 22 charges after alleged thefts. And he's 18 years old. Crimes, uh, including petty theft, including five felony charges, criminal possession of ID documents with multiple victims, one conspiracy to commit charge, according to the Rifle Police Department. Misdemeanor charges, trespassing of an automobile, intent to commit a crime, identity theft, possession with intent to use, contributing to the delinquency of a minor. And uh, he's also had a a history with uh, uh, vehicular accidents. And so forget about that phony Ed Krasenstein. They put his tweet up there. It, all, all Ed Krasenstein does is put out complete garbage on Twitter for impressions. That's all he does. Okay, so the guy's a complete phony. He's a complete zero intellectually. He just puts stuff up for impressions. So let's not give him what he wants there. But but let let he 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 acts like the irony here is oh we have to impeach Lauren Boebert now. Lauren Boebert's son was not involved in political peddling, political influence peddling, and selling the country out for millions of dollars like Hunter Biden was. So let's just be clear about that. 
But here's the irony of, of Krasenstein. But, but acting like there's any legitimacy or intellect or philosophy to his posts would make us the fool. So let's not even act like that. But it, it does show you how they're basically admitting that, no, we, we show political favoritism and Hunter Biden should not be investigated because he's a Democrat. So unfortunately for Lauren Boebert and her son, um, he's not the right skin color to be released from these charges with the woke DAs. And uh, she's not a representative of the right political party to be protected by the justice system because of these charges. So it's, it's not looking good for her or her son. But I, 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 this is probably the end of Lauren Boebert, unfortunately, I would say. And I, and I would actually say for her sake that at this point, she probably needs to just move on and, and take care of her family. And so this is really too bad. This is really upsetting for her, I think, at a personal level. And I hope that she can get her son back on the right path, obviously, um, with, with some poor decision-making here as a young man. But it's really too bad because this is probably the end of Lauren Boebert. And now you're dealing with a situation where who knows what you get as a replacement. She's one of the strongest uh, supporters of common sense and reality against the leftist propaganda. She has a strong voting record in the House, so she's going to be missed. But I don't know if she survives this, and she may just need to step aside for her family. All right. I, I got to see this. I, I got to see this. Let's, let's go to James O'Keefe with Judge Engeron. James O'Keefe has a secret undercover camera workout with Judge Engeron. I haven't seen this yet. They just posted this, so I'm just as curious as you. So here's that dweeb, douche-nozzle judge that committed fraud against Donald Trump. He's the real criminal. He should be taken off the bench and thrown into a prison. Here's O'Keefe working out with Judge Engeron. So at the Equinox in Great Neck, New York, Arthur the judge is sitting inside the Equinox in New York. So I'm going to go in there and try to talk to him. like Bernie Sanders. I told you, I give him credit. He's in shape for an old man. I'll give him that. Patriots at gyms. Ever notice that? Multiple sources reached out to us about Arthur Engeron, the judge in Manhattan who fined Trump $354 million in damages, barring him from running businesses in New York City for three years. One source even sent us a video saying that Arthur Engeron creeps girls out in an Equinox gym in Long Island. At the end of the clip, the woman is visibly annoyed by the judge and tells him to back off, gesturing with her hands. Other sources confirmed the Equinox he works out in at 5 a.m. is in Great Neck, New York. So we decided to work out alongside him. I'm a huge fan. For what? Thank you for that. <laughs> Man, I must have felt good. Oh, shit. Uh, make these modern people out of the state. Uh, just thank you. I'm about my heart. What's your day job? I was wearing the OMG t-shirt, which said O'Keefe Media Group, but the judge 
didn't know who I was. <laughs> My day job, I work in publishing. I print, I print uh, magazines. Yeah. But I really need a lot to hear this. Yeah, he's on place inside there a lot of people looking at me a lot of eyes wandering right yes so there was a guy that actually came up and was a fan of me and I thought he may have been pretending to be a fan but he actually was a fan but I was trying to you know unfortunately and guys I want to go to the other O'Keefe video that we have here clip 16 real quick unfortunately now he should have probably tried to do it again and been undercover and gone in a couple times and see if he could gotten him to say something crazy but now Endron will be told who he is and it's not going to happen but nonetheless here's a here's another amazing O'Keefe clip he he sprints a mile down 7th Avenue in New York City the IRS official he caught admitting that they target conservatives unconstitutionally uh this is wild stuff in clip 16 are you Alex Mena with the IRS Are you Alex Mena with the IRS, sir? Um, you're part of an undercover investigation. Okay, They're talking about you going after small people, people's destroying lives. people's lives. You have yeah, no, no problem doing that. that. You're on hidden camera as part of a hidden camera investigation. Like they don't have any empathy at all towards it. It was at this moment that he knew he fucked up. Sir, <laughs> you're on camera, sir. I don't know what you're talking about. I'm sorry. Sir. Oh. sir. The sprint um, is about to begin. Is, is this you on camera, sir? No, that's not me. That's not you. Why do criminals run not you? Who denied his identity? That is certainly you, sir. Why do criminals run from police? Why do IRS agents run from undercover journalists? Uh, sir, what, what you said that it's unconstitutional, the warrantless searches at the IRS, sir? Sir? Sir, you say, sir, sir you're running. We have a runner here. We have a runner at the IRS. Where are you going? You gotta give an injury on the credit. It's not you. It's not you. Alex Mina, the IRS, the IRS uh, corrupt Sir, we have a runner. bastard, is uh, the IRS. He ran a mile in about We're eight minutes. We're going for a jog here in New York City with a criminal investigations unit at the IRS. We're running. Whoa, this way, guys. This way. This, O'Keefe's cameraman couldn't We're keep running. up. By the way, that's why they lost him. O'Keefe's cameraman bit the dust. Oh, keep also some cookies fell out of his pocket at one point. I got my chocolate chip cookies. Here they go. I got my cookies. My chocolate chip cookies. No, fast cookie down. No. I'm fast as boy. I'm fast as boy. Fast as boy. At the door. At the door. 
fast as fuck, boy. A few moments later. He was out of it. The the IRS agent had a he had the long distance runner in him. Gotta give him the credit. He's hiding. He's hiding. They chased him into an alley. He's hiding. Get him. Get him. Oh, get him. oh, oh get him. he's back. He's hiding. Are you filming? <gasps> oh my gosh! He's back. He hid. He tried to hide from me. We're in New York City, in the West Village. There's an IRS guy working in the criminal division who's running away. Hey, it's a marathon. I drive on chocolate chip cookies. Then he's running away from me. Then he says it's unconstitutional. It's unconstitutional. Watch out, doggy. Huh? Okay, we are. On now he's getting Hudson chased by a dog. Hudson in New York City and Barrow. I can't go farther, James. Okay. Our cameraman's winded. We're going to throw up. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I have no fear of fainting in the gym. I always throw up in the gym. I threw up many times while I was working out. Woo! Let's go. Okay. Oh, yeah, come on. It was only a mile. Hold on. Okay. I can't breathe. From a mile? Uh, I know. It's, it's tough. Jeez. Come on, man. It's off. I know, you're doing great. You're good, you're good. You're, you're surviving. You're surviving, right? I just can't breathe. Lost I'm James O'Keefe. In the West Village in New York City. See, this is why you, this is why you gotta Alex train, Mina. folks. Inside the IRS. You never know when you're gonna have to chase a dirty IRS rat over a mile. He's ran inside there and he's hiding from us. Oh, he's, oh, he's in hiding again? Here we go. He ran in there. Where'd he go? Where, where's he at? Where's the rat at? He's hiding from us. He's hiding. To a building. That was not a jog. That was a flat out. was an all out sprint. He sprinted. He denied his own identity. That's right. The official for the IRS denied that he was who he was. All right, the great James O'Keefe working out with Judge Engeron and then chasing an IRS rat a mile through New York City. Hey, sometimes it's fun to fight corruption, you know? And uh, he, he has more about the creepy, he calls him the creepy judge on his Twitter account, too. All right, let's flash back. What happened to Mitch McConnell? This is Mitch McConnell, 1987, talking about voter fraud. Here it is, clip 18. Election day in Kentucky. And I suspect on this election day, as on many election days over the last hundred years or so, in some areas of my state, people are attempting to buy votes, sell votes, intimidate voters, and in general, distort the election process. Earlier in my life, I uh, taught... Uh, on a part-time basis, a course called American Political Parties and Elections. We talked about, uh, with the students, uh, the election fraud problems in some areas of this country. It is clearly not a problem everywhere. But in certain areas of our country, particularly rural one-party areas in the South, and in certain big cities in the Midwest and in the North, again, places where one party tends to dominate, this is an ongoing problem. Some have even felt that it might have determined the outcome of the presidential election in 1960. 
between Nixon and Kennedy. There was much written and said about election fraud in, in Chicago. Well, it it's well not the same Illinois. Mitch McConnell these days, uh, is it? But it's funny. Everybody talks about voter fraud until the biggest case of voter fraud happens to get Biden in office. And then uh, oh, nobody wants to talk about it. All of a sudden, all of a sudden, everybody's silent. Isn't that something? Uh, here's an incredible admission from Janet Yellen talking about the war in Ukraine. This is actually extremely dangerous. The American people should be shocked and appalled at what she says here in clip seven. We should be clear. When Putin first invaded Ukraine, he believed he could take over easily. And he, he failed he for two reasons. First, due to the strength, commitment and resilience of the Ukrainian people. No, because he didn't want to. And second, due to the efforts and resources of the broad global coalition that has stood with Ukraine. Which is all gone. This week, G7 leaders announced additional coordinated sanctions to degrade Russia's war machine. We're ruled by rats. And we will continue to take action to restrict Russia's access to the materials and the money it needs to continue the war. Mm. But now, Putin's strategy is hoping he can simply wait out Ukraine and its allies. And we must prove him wrong and show the Kremlin that we will collectively stand with Ukraine for as long as it takes. And there it is. For as long as it takes. All right, take the human-rat hybrid off the screen. For as long as it takes, ladies and gentlemen. When can we secure the border? Don't know. Well, how long do we have to support Ukraine? As long as it takes. Says the human-rat hybrid Janet Yellen. That is just disgusting stuff. All right, we're about to be joined by a friend of the show who has a very large following on on TikTok. He does some short videos, some comedy videos. He also has a very active Twitter account. But because of his political commentary then and there, the left wing is coming after him in his personal life. And so, Damani Felder, is he ready to go, guys? Okay, we're uh, having some connection issues. Well, before he joins me, Remember to support us at InfoWarsStore.com. I think, I, uh, I think you know, I'm going to have to maybe inject some TurboForce right into my crew's veins today. I think they're going to need a straight-up injection of TurboForce right into the veins for not having my guest ready. But uh, all, all jokes aside, maybe it's BrainForce. Maybe it's BrainForce we can hit them with. Get them nice and focused. InfoWarsStore.com, folks, it's your support there that keeps us on the air. I did play basketball last night, even for a couple hours. I am a little sore, but not as much as I would have been if I didn't take bodies after I played. And it's the ultimate formula for anti-inflammatory support, flexibility support, and joint support. If I didn't hit the bodies after I hit the gym last night, I'd be all stiff and rigid walking around like Joe Biden. But no, I'm feeling good, barely in barely an ounce of soreness today, even after two hours of ball last night. Bodies, 40% off, InfoWarsStore.com, whole body support. And just look at the hundreds of five-star reviews for yourself. If you don't believe my word for it, take it from the website. Bodies, 40% off, InfoWarsStore.com, just one of the great products that we have there. And, of course, it's your support there that keeps us on the air. So we thank you. So we thank you. All right. Um, what's our status with the guest guys? 
Damani Felder joins me now. All right, Damani, you're funny, you're politically active, you're politically aware, but um, you, you do that as, as kind of a side gig, if you will. You, you do have a personal life and a, and a job in the private sector, and I guess the left has discovered this and decided to come after you personally now. You want to uh, talk about what, what they're doing to you? Yeah, I uh, posted, obviously, I'm, I'm very active on Elon Musk's new platform, X, and I'm very grateful for the free speech uh, that he affords individuals who use that platform. Now, unfortunately, there are individuals out there, of course, these are the, the individuals who would wish, that did wish, harm on conservatives in the past, especially as it relates to the, uh, the sham pandemic that took place. And they obviously wished death and harm, this, the famous winter of illness and death, we all recall. And these are the same individuals now where when you throw some of their own vitriolic tendencies back in their face, they are the first ones to go out of their way to try to excommunicate you or try to get you fired from your job. What's unfortunate is uh, I do work for, you know, a large corporate employer uh, that's based out of Ohio, and they've chosen to take it upon themselves to enlist their army of ne'er-do-wells to uh, issue calls for me to lose my job, which is my obviously my primary source of income. Now, of course, these are the individuals who will cry foul and they pretend as if they are being attacked when they are the first ones who will go out of their way to impugn, malign, and demean individuals on the right side of the aisle simply for daring to utilize the same measures of speech that they've used in the past. Now, there's individuals out there that might say, oh, you, you should not you know, engage in vitriolic back and forth with the left, but I would counter them by saying that there's, time is of the essence for us to reclaim what's left of this country. And it's unfortunate there are individuals out there, particularly there's one guy by the name of Tizzy Ent, and he's on uh, TikTok. I believe he has over 6 million followers. On Instagram, he has uh, about half a million. And he chose to do a deep dive on me, not just uh, about myself, but also including my brother as well. Obviously, my brother was the other half of the Wright Brothers YouTube channel. And he did this deep dive saying, oh, well, we should, uh, we should basically do everything that we can to get this person fired from his job. Talking about me and my brother. And this is also an individual who in the past uh, chose to dox a 10-year-old girl on the TikTok platform. He chose to release her information and encourage his followers to pay her a visit. His real name is Randall McWhorter. Uh, he's based out of Florida last time I checked. Is this, I, I, you know, I've seen this chaos. guy pop up before. I don't know much about him. Is he a Democrat? Is he a leftist? Well, who is this guy? Oh, well, let me just tell you this, uh, Owen, if this gives you any idea of who he is. He has the pronouns he, him in his bio. So if that gives you any uh, indication of what that person's all about. Yeah, that kind of makes it uh, evidently or painfully clear. But basically, Do you think he's paid he's for by those, the Democrat uh, Party? I mean, a lot of these people like that with big followings get money from the Democrat Party. You know, I wouldn't be surprised. You know, he's been amplified on platforms like TikTok. Of course, you know, those individuals who have the large followings, they typically will do their best to, to punch down and make individuals' lives as uncomfortable as possible. Uh, it's unfortunate to see, and I did my best in my response video, which I posted on uh, Facebook and Instagram last night, and even on X, um, to explain to them because they get all bent under shape because I was uh, referring to a video that I saw of a black woman in Wendy's who was uh, right next to her son and chose to uh, act a fool and and vandalized that restaurant, and I yeah, referred was, to it as was, a level five truly, uh, chimp shameful. Now, it, For folks that didn't see that video, it, it's one of the more shameful public uh, scenes you're ever going to see. Yep. 
And th th they uh, took offense to the fact that I chose it a level, I chose to call it a level five chimp out. And they uh, thought, oh, you are equivocating black people with primates and, and calling them chimps. I'm just like, if you look up the definition of chimp out, it means to behave in an aggressive or violent way. Well, the right? left says exactly I came from a happening. monkey too. So that's racist against uh, exactly. me, actually. Exactly. And, you know, they also were uh, upset that I called her Letitia James and I said, oh, that she's uh, a primate should not be an AG. And if you look at what a primate means, it means a person's in control. <laughs> well, I well that just shows how they're racist. Because... They're the ones that think that you're talking about black people. You didn't say anything about black people. They're the ones assuming that. Exactly. It, it's just that the liberal hypocrisy on display. Okay, it's sad on. to see. I'm hopeful I'm gonna, I got five more minutes. I got five more minutes here. I got five more minutes with Damani Felder. All, all humor aside, there, there's actually another story here, folks. They want to conquer the corporate world, too, from the top all the way down to the employees. That's why, oh, we can't have Devontae Felder have a job. Zem, Zers, Zemself. Chris. What are pronouns? Those are pronouns. Neo pronouns. You oh, have 16 no. parts of speech oh, six. Oh, lordy. Zem, Zers, Zemself. No. Chris. What are pronouns? Those Not are Jeopardy. pronouns. Neo pronouns. They're you now have hitting Jeopardy with the Neo pronouns. If they would have called on me, I would have said uh, things that don't exist. Uh, neo pronouns, they say. All right, Damani Felder with me for five more minutes here. here here's the story, though, because, I mean, we, we can have fun and make fun of the left and, and look at their hypocrisy and everything. But I, I think that the larger story, when you get down to the bottom of it, is, I mean, this is true discrimination. They don't even want you to have a job. They don't want you to be employed. They want you removed from the workforce. They don't want you to be able to care for your family. I mean, that's what this really represents. That's, you know, they, they sit here all day long and cry victim. They sit here all day long and talk about, oh, the hardcore authoritarian extreme right. They're the extremists. They don't even want you to have a job. Yeah, and, and, you know, the the crazy part of it, too, is that this is during Black History Month, mind you. And oh, these are the ones who are oh, going to march humanity. around and chant, oh, Black Lives Matter. And they excuse the behaviors of individuals out there who collectively bring down what it means to be black. And, you know, they're going to act like, oh, being a black, it's a monolithic experience and everyone is under underprivileged and oppressed uh, constantly. You know, that's not the case. But here they are now that they're doing their best to attack an individual like myself, simply for giving them a taste of their own medicine. I continue to find this policing of speech by the left to be reprehensible. Even now in these times, we have individuals who will run around and have carte blanche to say whatever they want against individuals on the right side of the aisle. They're the first ones to say, oh, you're not allowed to say this, you're not allowed to say that. But the minute that you actually show them what it feels like to be treated that way, they're the first ones to do their best to try to get you removed from your job. So it's a sad state of affairs in the country. And part of what I was mentioning even in the video that I released last night was the the fact that these people don't even understand what words mean. They don't look up terms definition. They don't listen to anything. They have the attention spans of goldfish. So it's no wonder we're at this uh, point in American history where we have the collective whole uh, engaging in the, these Marxist tactics in order to excommunicate and remove individuals they don't agree with. Even while out of the other side of their mouth, they continue to say that black lives matter, amplify black voices, and all this other crap that we've seen them espouse over the last several years. It's truly reprehensible to, to see. Did you share the video from uh, Michael McDemocrat Whore on your uh, on your ex account? It's actually pretty hilarious. Uh, no, I didn't actually. It, people can find it if they look up. Uh, I think it goes by Tizzy Int uh, on uh, social media platforms. I didn't share it. It's just a deep dive on this is who this person is. This is what he said. Oh my gosh, he's a terrible person. Uh, do, do you think he should represent this company that I work for? Even though I make it very clear in my bio 
that I, my opinions are my own. So I do my best to cover myself on that front, but they don't care. And let's make one thing very clear, Owen. The left does not want you to apologize, even if they deem you to run afoul of their policies. They don't care if you apologize. They're still going to come after you. They're still going to find everything they can do uh, to cut you down to size, especially because you are the black person who doesn't act the way they want you to act. You know, we don't want the Thomas Souls. We don't want the Larry Elders of the world. We don't want the Ben Carsons of the world. I, in my own omnipotent wisdom as a liberal white knight, which is what this uh, tizzy int person is, who's more or less looks like an emo, grungy Santa Claus. Um, I dictate what you were allowed to say. So you, slave, need to get back in line and do what I tell you to do. Otherwise, I will make life as uncomfortable for you as possible, which, of course, is the internalized bigotry and racism of the left that shows they have not changed from their days of old. There was no party switch, and they will continue to behave this way for anyone who disagrees with them. Yeah, the American left, the American Democrats have never put down their whip but, you know, I, I, look, I don't know. I, I could get into some of your personal life. I know a little bit about you, but you're you're actually a very accomplished young man. I mean, he can sit here and do a deep dive into your life. You've accomplished a lot for for a young man. I mean, what what is this old bum done? Uh, not much. You know, he makes videos that on TikTok that appeal to the lowest common denominator of humanity. And he has this air of self-importance about him. I encourage individuals to go out there, to go to the Instagram profile, the TikTok profile, if you will. Look up this tizzy int individual, watch the video, and, and just realize these are the kinds of people we're up against. And it should light a fire in you to say, I'm going to go harder. And I would hope that, you know, mm. if they do cut me down, and heaven forbid, that there be other individuals who would rise up in my stead to continue to lead the charge for freedom. All right, Damani Felder, thank you for joining us today. Keep me posted uh, with the developments here. The left is now coming for your job. That's interesting. They don't want a black man to work and provide it for his family. Huh. Interesting stuff. All right, we're now in the third and final hour here of the InfoWars War Room, brought to you by InfoWarsStore.com, your election headquarters. I'm joined in studio now by Pastor Michael Petro, and he is the pastor of the Voice of Healing Church in Houston, Texas, also the Arthur of access behind the veil and and you were actually down here a couple weeks ago and i said we got to catch up on the on the air and uh, we talked about some some uh, interesting subjects of discussion that i wanted to bring you on today to discuss but but i want to first start with the illegal immigrant issue when i'm covering this when we go down south whether it's uh, mccallan brownsville el paso there's always a common thread that there are church institutions that are being used to facilitate the border invasion. And I think maybe there's a lot of well-meaning Christians or Catholics out there that think, well, this is the Christian thing to do. This is the right thing to do. Maybe they don't understand what's really going on. Why do you suppose that the church is being used to bring in this illegal immigrant invasion? And, And why doesn't there seem to be a pushback? Well, I think a lot of the problem is, like you say, there's a lot of people with good intentions, but what what I've seen, and I was just down actually in Eagle Pass, you have people coming across. There's so many things that are the immigrants are going through on their way to get to Eagle Pass. It's just, I mean, you're talking about rape. You're talking about, I just seen an, uh, an article where one girl, they found the semen of 25 different men in her. And I mean. How old was this girl? This girl was only in her, I think she was in her late teens. And here we are in a situation where if the church is supporting something that is an illegal event, then we really need to stand up as a body of Christ and say, hey, this this is not right. This this is just uh, something that is really uh, preposterous 
for the church to be supporting something like this, uh, people coming from other countries. And we know that a lot of these people are not coming across legally, but in reality, uh, the reason why they're even coming across isn't legal. I mean, the the information they're giving the uh, Border Patrol, the information that they're giving our ICE agents, it's all deception. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I mean, we're seeing this all of a sudden. It, it, it's not going to get any better. It's going to get worse with what's happening in our cities with all these uh, people coming across. We're, we're just starting to see the influx of what's happening. You know, uh, we go back to when the Cubans uh, uh, opened their prisons of illegal immigrants into South Florida and crime went rampant for a season. And and we're seeing something at a much larger scale than what Cuba did. Venezuela, it's it's public information. Venezuela sent their prisoners to the southern border. Yeah, it looks like one of them just committed a, a, a brutal murder. Mm, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's what, what exactly what we're watching is something that every American citizen should be standing up and saying, uh, "Hey, this got to stop." Uh, a country without borders is not a country at all. And uh, I don't know if you've just seen this. I was, you know, I, we came out of Southern California and they found a bio lab there with a Chinese uh, scientist that was making Ebola and different things. They're right there in Southern California. Right. And, yeah. and they're saying he had several other labs. So all of a sudden that's being hushed up. Can you imagine? Yeah, and it was a really like sketchy facility too. Like oh. it didn't like it didn't look like he was even going through any protocols when he was running this deal. No, 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 no. I mean, that type of a facility should have been all enclosed in the room that they're doing the experiments in. This was just done in a warehouse. It looked like it was a, like a meth lab or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, the scary thing is, can you imagine Ebola being released in Southern California? You imagine the damage that would happen. And and now we're not even hearing about it. I, I think the American public deserves more than that. Well, and here's what I've noticed because I've gone to – well, we have a lot of this in Austin. If you drive around to some of the churches in Austin, and I don't know if it's like this nationwide, but if you, if you drive around, you'll see some churches, including a main establishment church downtown, and they put the gay flag up and they, they have all the, the leftist propaganda, Democrat Party propaganda. They put it up in banners on the side of their buildings. They put it on their marquee every time. And and I've even noticed in a more specific instance where I went to a church in San Antonio that was doing a drag queen story time for kids. And we went there and filmed it and exposed it. And I ended up having a conversation with the pastor. And it kind of hit me in that moment because I, I grew up in a, in a Catholic community. I went to a Catholic grade school. I know what priests are like. I know what members of a congregation are like. I know the vibe. I know the feel. Mm. And, it, and it hit me talking to this guy. I was like, wait a second. You're not even a man of God. You're you're not you're just a complete phony. You're some leftist that infiltrated this church. I don't know if you're using it for a tax deduction or if it's some weird thing where you want to just conquer this this religious group, but I, I I it hit me in that moment. I was like, you're not a man of God. You you don't know anything about the scripture. You're you're in here using the church for some other reason. I mean, I feel like that's what's going on. There is a leftist occupation quite literally mm. of the church now. Yeah, I just actually got a call from a pastor up in uh, Pennsylvania where a friend of his went to a uh, a bingo night at a church, an Episcopal church. And when he got in there, it was literally a uh, a transgender night where they were doing bingo with transgender men half-dressed. And I was just, he told me what happened, and he was standing there, and he was like, this is not right. 
And you know what they did? They jumped the guy and beat him up. I transgender said, bingo. Transgender bingo. That's a new it's, one. It's so, <laughs> can you imagine? But I just can't imagine going to church and you say, this isn't right, right? And you get beat up for saying it. If you know, I mean, what church operates like that? So. But see, it's one thing to say the church is for everybody. We want everybody to hear the message of God, right? But it's another thing for that to be the agenda, for just saying, no, yeah. we're celebrating this. We're, we're, we're making this part of our culture now. Yeah. Well, I mean, obviously, I mean, Jesus talks about it. The apostles talk about it that, you know, he said they say that these people will not enter into the kingdom of heaven. Right. Uh, When we start looking into the scriptures, the reality of it is, is that the church is supposed to be a hospital for the sick. And uh, people don't come in there to push their agenda. They come there to be transformed. And, uh, you know, that's one of the things It's, it's not like. Hey, I mean, everybody has problems. Everybody comes to the church a sinner. But it's not supposed to be that you come into the church and you're trying to transform the church into your identity. The church is about transforming people into the identity of Jesus. And that's what the church is about. That's what it should be about. And nothing more, nothing less. Yeah, and I think that now it's the opposite. It's saying we're going to take the congregation— and we're going to say, you're accepting this culture now. You're going to be rescued by the leftist culture. You're going to be rescued by the LGBTQ tolerance love wins propaganda. It's the reversal of that. It's the inversion. Well, I think a lot of pastors are not really willing to stand up and say, hey, this is wrong. I mean, I'm I'm still waiting for the church to stand up and do something. I see too many churches that they just sit down and uh, they're not willing to make waves. They're not willing to... Uh, uh, you know, say something. And I think a lot of it is because of the uh, 501c3s yes. and the government pushing on them that way. But, you know, if you go back to the original constitution, like we did, there's provision there made for churches. So when we, when we see that, when we understand that, you know, what is, what is, what is happening? Uh, the church was already established as a, as a uh, identity that it would give, you know, tax breaks you don't you don't even need those 501c3s but yeah, yeah. Are people, that was a way are, that was a way to conquer the church that was a way for the government to conquer the church really and i'm saying that because it's like okay you want to say something as a pastor get out of the old you know or get out of what you're doing right now with being hooked into the government and get into you know what was originally created in this country for us to have free speech and say what had to be said by the way and i don't want to go too much into this but you know people try to bastardize you know, they love to use the Constitution or the Bill of Rights when they can. They, like, the left will want to get rid of the Bill of Rights and the Constitution, but then they'll try to bastardize it or, or massage it whenever they think they can use it. Like, um, in the First Amendment with the expression of, or the establishment of religion, I, I think they've bastardized this, and I've kind of thought about this over the time. When they talk about the establishment of religion, I think what they mean is it's a religion that's already established, meaning you can't just make up some religion and just say, oh, this is my religious now, and you can't touch me because it's my religion. I, I, but that's just more of a philosophical thing. I, I want to ask you a question. I want to do a bit of a, we'll call this like a, a bit of a test here, just just to, so people understand what's going on. Now, do you know who Lakin Riley is? I don't know. No. You don't know Lakin Riley? No. Okay. Do you know who Elizabeth Medina is? I don't know. What about Kayla Hamilton? I've heard the name, but I'm not sure. Okay. George Floyd? Yeah, definitely. Do you know who George Floyd is? So... The three girls I just mentioned were all brutally murdered in potentially in an attempted rape by illegal immigrants. Yeah, no, I, I heard about the one girl that just recently happened. Yeah, that was Lake and Riley. But see, 
the whole purpose of this exercise is that's how the mainstream media propaganda works. They don't talk about these names. I mean, I could do another one. There was a, uh, a police officer who just got brutally murdered as well. Officer Ella French, she gets brutally murdered, and the left is actually supporting the killer, saying that the killer was the victim because it's a police officer. She's inherently bad. We don't hear these names. These people don't get immortalized. They don't get celebrated. Nobody in the mainstream media wants to make that a household name, but everybody has to know about George Floyd. It's the same story. It's all anti-American leftist propaganda. Well, you know, the only way that can shift again... I mean, one of the biggest institutions in the United States is the church. And the church has to get back into the political side. And when we talk about the separation of church and state, it's not talking about the 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 church staying out of state business. It's about the state being out of church business. It was we were given that opportunity and the by the founding fathers of this country that we had a political say, that we could say something. I mean, if you go back to all the original constitutions and the laws of the original 13 colonies. It's the church, the church, the church. And now we're in a situation that if the church does not get involved, there will not be a church in a very, in a very short amount of time because they're desecrating everything right now that the, the church needs to do and needs to be. Well, do you think that goes back to what you were saying earlier? Because I think one of the biggest issues that should be an obvious stance from the church would be pro-life. I mean, that shouldn't even be up for debate. I would feel like the church would be very outspoken about that, yet there's kind of a a vacuum of silence there. Do you think it's for the same reason? All these churches are afraid to say anything that might be against the government now in in some way, shape, or form because they'll lose their status. They'll lose their tax-exempt status, so they they censor their speech. Well, that's that's definitely one part of it, and I, I really feel like a large part of it is a lot of the pastors are just not willing to step up and say something. There's just this timidity factor that's there. And I, I really believe our country needs a revival. I, I believe there needs to be an awakening in the church right now. And, and thank God there's been a lot of prophecies in the 1900s and the 1950s about a massive move of God that would happen at this time. Uh, a man by the name of William Seymour and William Parm that started revivals back in the 1900s. Around 1910, they both prophesied several uh, different areas of the country that in about 100, 110 years, which puts it about now, that there'd be a massive move of God, and it would shift things in our country. And if you go back and you do study on the end of the age, and we're definitely there at the end of the age, this end of the age these end-of-the-age prophecies are not talking about the end of the world. Uh, I, I, I love what, what, uh, what these men talked about. They talked about how that there would be so much darkness in the earth. There would be so much darkness in the church that all of a sudden this light would come in and it would begin to remove the darkness. It would begin to remove what's happening right now in the world. And there would be this awakening that would happen. And, um, you know, um, I think we're right now on the verge of that awakening. It's a very interesting uh, prophecy in the early church. They prophesied about what was called millennialism. And they believed in the way that the earth was created in six days, that every day was symbolic of a 1,000-year period. So the earth was created in six days. Well, from the time of Adam to the time of Jesus was 4,000 years or four days. And from the time of Jesus till now is two days, 2,000 years. So we're there. We're at the end of 6,000 years. We're in the time that not only do the, do, do the Jews believe this, the early church taught this heavily, 
but we're in the time of that reformation. And, uh, you know, we're really in the season where, where we're getting ready to see something so massive that Paul, the apostle says, I hasn't seen it, ear hasn't heard it. And I think really that's one of the only ways we're going to see a solving of the problems that we have today. Oh boy. Don't bring the Jews into this now. <laughs> uh, now, now, now we're getting controversial, but you know, you, you, you said something earlier about if we continue along this path with the illegal immigrant invasion that eventually, because here's the way I'm looking at it. It's likely, it's very likely, 99.9%, I'm going to get home safely tonight. Mm. You're, you're, you and your team is going to get to your destination safely tonight, and probably none of our friends or family or loved ones will suffer from a violent crime at the hands of a criminal that crosses our southern border, a violent criminal. But every day that nothing is done to address this, the odds increase that that's going to be your family. Just yeah. ask the family of those girls that I just mentioned. Mm-hmm. They, th- that is a reality for them. Well, I, I, you know, the, the, the violent side of this is happening all over. We're not even hearing half the stories. You know, a lot of this stuff, I'm watching it all the time. It's being covered up. I have, you know, we have police officers. We have people within our congregation that we receive information from. But I, I was just recently listening to an interview of uh, Candace Owens, and she was in, her, uh, she was in a huge uh, uh, auditorium with a bunch of uh, BLM. And I and she just went at it with them, right? She said something that really caught my attention, Owen. She said, we are in a time now that we have four, maybe five years before all you, all, all, everybody in that room is silenced. It won't matter what they have to say. It won't matter what their theology is or, or what their background is. She said, if you don't make a change now, we're coming to a point that there won't be a change. And and that was something that really rung up, rung out to me. It was something that was uh, a major uh, awakening for me. I know I'm around a lot of people that, especially in the in the black community, a lot of black people that come to our church, they're they're uh, conservative. They're about you know conservative ideals, conservative understanding. But you know, I tell them you need to get the message out. You need to go talk to people. You need to talk to your family. But the crazy thing is more and more of the black community is coming into the conservative movement. And, uh, but I think we need a lot more, a lot faster. Well, it's definitely happening and it's really just common sense. I think the illegal immigration issue has probably been the biggest, uh, pivot point because, you know, they've been told by the Democrat party that they have their back. They're going to be the ones that are going to support you when you Mm. vote for them. And then they see the illegal immigrants getting precedent, not to mention, all the constant war overseas that we continue to pay for that they all want to vote for. But, you know, here's the other issue on that. And, Pastor, uh, don't you think that now is the easier time? Now is the easy time when you can speak up. If, if five, ten years from now, you know, that's what frustrates me because I, I, have, I have friends that have political differences from me. And they kind of joke celebrating my incarceration and whatever. But it's like, you don't understand. This isn't about me. You're going to be next. Sure. You're going to be next. And if you don't stand up for free speech, my free speech, the person you dislike or disagree with now, then in five, ten years, you're not going to have a voice. You, it's exactly. e- Supporting this now, fighting against this authoritarian now is, is easy compared to what it's going to be like in a decade. Well, you know, I mean, what's happened to you is going to happen on a much broader scale, especially to the church, especially to pastors. That's the first, you know, uh, organizations they're going to go after. Because why? Because they have such a uh, broad 
uh, broad uh, amount of people to to meet with to talk with. In that, you're going to see. I mean, we've seen it happen in, in all the communist countries as they broke away from uh, their previous governments. That the first people they went after was the the church. And if and if the church can't wake up and the and the church can't see this, then something really is wrong because this is a a huge. Uh, red uh, red flag right now. I mean, it's out there. It's very evident to see the things we see, you know, happening in the legal system. I, honestly, I think they need to happen in order to show people. I don't care how stupid you are, how dumb you are. Can't you see what's happening within this two tier system that we have right now? You know, we need to wake up. You know, and I'm and I'm not ta- I'm not saying hey, you got to come over to our side and 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 just believe everything. Uh, that's going on over here, but there has to be a a joining of the minds between both parties again. We've gotten to the place where we don't even talk to each other. There's such a huge rift and so uh, such a great divide in our country, and and, uh, we need to get away from that inability to not to talk for people to start sitting down and talking again. Well, here's kind of proof of what you're talking about. The gap between Democrats and Republicans on perceived economic performance has never been wider, according to polls. So if you asked a Democrat of, of, you know, was Trump, was the Trump economy successful? They say, no, it was the worst. Now you ask a Democrat, is the Biden economy successful? They say, no, it's the greatest. And of course, that's flipped for, for Republican voters. Mm. So that's kind of what you're talking about right there. It's, it's, this, it's this chasm. But, but really, it's like we live in two different worlds. I mean, there's no other way to put it. It's like we live in two different worlds entirely. Yeah. It's, I mean, the, the only way I can even look at that and summarize it is, well, this is just massive mind control. Sure. That's what this is. It's massive mind control. Well, if you look at everything from a spiritual perspective, when we talk about the word spiritual, it, it literally means the way we think, the way we understand things, the way we're being manipulated in uh, our thoughts. So when, when you look at our time, actually, in the book of Revelations talks about an angel that's released. It's called Abaddon. His name, literally, when you look at the purpose of this angel, is to cause division. So, and I said this several years ago, I said, I believe that right now we are in a situation where this angel of destruction, this angel of division has been released into the earth because I've never seen people more divided over, over the issues, over everything that's going on, not only within our country, but I've, I've been fortunate to be able to travel around the world. It's crazy how many people around the world are seeing the same thing and, and people are waking up to it more and more. But we're, it's just not a physical battle that we're in. We're in a spiritual battle right now. And people need to wake up to what that battle is. And, and I, I hate to say it, the people that are more debased in their way of thinking are more accessible to these type of spiritual warfare. Well, I realized when I went out on the streets and people always ask, well, why don't, why don't, why don't you go out on the streets and do field reporting anymore? Well, A, I'm under federal probation. I, I can't even leave the county right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, but B, it's not even really safe for me to go out anymore. I go out with a mic now. I mean, I get assaulted. Like the last five times I've gone out with a mic, I've been assaulted. Mm-hmm. And the police don't really do anything to protect me, unfortunately. And their hands are tied by by some of these leftist judges and district attorneys. And so I get it. But that was one of the things I realized. When I go out in the field, I mean, specifically the most obvious examples would be when I go to pro-abortion rallies. I'm not just going there and I'm not just dealing with politics. I mean, you immediately feel the spiritual nature of it. You immediately sure. feel the spirit that's driving them. And, and I think that they kind of feel it from me, too. It's not to say I'm some sort of 
you know, holier than thou person. I don't, I don't project myself in that way. But the fact that I'm coming there without hate in my heart, like they immediately recognize that. I mean, I'll go to an abortion rally and, and, and the, these women will come up to me and say, I love Satan. I help Satan. Just right out of the gates. We'll be right back. All right. This is wild. I'm talking in the break here with my guest, uh, Pastor Michael Petro. Find out more MichaelPetro.com. He also has an X account at Michael. Is it Michael Joe? J-O Petro? J. Michael Joe Petro, yes. And then, of course, VOHradio.com, VOHnews.tv. And that's how you can learn more about the Voice of Healing Church in Houston, Texas, which, by the way, we could talk about Houston, Texas. That city has some problems. My goodness, are there some problems. Most people don't talk about that. Uh, But anyway, we're sitting here in the break, and we're talking about the Pope. And I was mentioning this new auditorium they have, and it's like a bunch of demons behind the Pope. And then you were like, no, 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 it's actually worse than that. So so the crew will put the images on the stage or on the screen here from the stage. The whole thing is a serpent. The whole thing is a snake. Yeah, if you look right between it, right in the center there, uh, you can see the fangs coming down. And you, that your your staff had the other picture up behind that. Uh, literally, that's where the Pope sits, and he does meetings. So, like, he, he sits on the snake's tongue, because that's like a snake's tongue coming down. Literally, uh, literally. Even if you take a look at the top of this thing, it's the, it's a snake head, the way it's designed. It was meant to look that way. 100%. Yeah. Uh, if you there, if you look behind, look look at the, his his chair is right there where he sits. Look at the at the sculpting behind him. It looks like demons coming up out of hell. I mean, there's no, you can't miss this. And uh, I'm shocked more people aren't, you know, don't know about it. But in reality, it's a very, uh, it's a, it's a, it's, it's saying a lot. It's, it's saying what's happening. So there's the, the other view. So it looks like a snake, no matter which angle you look at it. Yes. Yes. And this is the Pope, uh, uh, Pope, I think Paul was it auditorium, the Paul the sixth auditorium. Mm-hmm. And I guess it's 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 a newer it's a newer construction, so it's you know part of the the corrupted Catholic Church now. It's like why wouldn't you go with something more traditional? Like what is that massive church they have in Spain, uh, La Familia, I think, or something? What is it called? I'm pretty sure that's it. Yeah, yeah, Sagrada Familia. Yeah, it's like this big beautiful building, and it's just like then they give you this demon snake sculpture. That the, the, that the Pope is sitting right in the mouth of it, right? That's crazy. He's uh, on the tongue. If, if you could actually, you know, built in two thousand seven, sh- it looks like. If you can show the picture where he's sitting there on the on his chair, uh, when you look behind him, it, it literally looks like there's demons coming up out of hell. And uh, they try to talk. They try to say it has something to do with the resurrection of Jesus. But in reality, I mean, what does Jesus have to do with the serpent? I don't other see than the... Jesus anywhere there. Nothing there <laughs> reminds me of Jesus. Exactly. Exactly. Well, well, there you go. If you can see in that that photograph, there. that's wild. It it's is. It's always worse than we think. Oh, it's like it's like yeah, this uh, the Pope sits in front of a bunch of demons coming out of hell. It's mm-hmm. like well, actually, it's the serpent's mouth that he's preaching from too. Yeah. And then oh, you yeah. zoom out, and it's even worse than you thought. Well, think about it. If if he's preaching out of the serpent's mouth, what does that say? What what is that really talking about? I mean, the serpent represents deception. So when when you're talking about you know him preaching from the serpent's mouth, is is this a, a, a it, you know the Bible talks about before the Lord will do anything in the earth, 
He will first reveal his secrets to his servants, the prophets, right? So literally the prophets will begin to prophesy what's getting ready to happen. And then as that begins to unfold, you begin to realize, oh, these guys were, this guys or these guys were true prophets because they're proclaiming what God's getting ready to do. But a lot of people don't understand in Satanism, what Satanism did is took the Bible and basically took, you know, thou shalt not lie and, and, and said, thou shalt lie. Thou shalt, you know, thou shalt be holy. Thou shalt live the way you want to live. So they literally took the Bible, Anton uh, LeVay and Aleister Crowley, and they began to switch it, right? And that's where they got to satanic scriptures. They didn't get it from any other writings other than the, the holy scripture that was, that was changed. So now you got to ask yourself, okay, who's Satan's prophets? And you guys do it all the time. You don't even realize you're doing it. When you say, you know, how does the Simpsons know? That Donald Trump was going to run for president, walk down a, you know, the 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 uh, the stairway and come down and and proclaim, you know, hey, I want to run for the president of the United States. We watch movies all the time that are prophesying to to the world, and it's Satan's way of getting out his prophetic message and saying this is what we're getting ready to do. And people don't understand how do they know all this? Well, you have to understand who they're being led by, also, because. I watch it on a, on a continual basis where there's a movie that comes out and they're saying this is this is what's getting ready to happen. And sure enough, you know, within a year or two, you'll see it. Well, there was just that movie that was essentially a frame-for-frame depiction of the chemical disaster in East Palestine, Ohio. Yeah. I mean, it was virtually the exact same thing, frame-for-frame. Frame. I think that film came out... Um, just a few years before yeah. the disaster happened. It was probably filmed a few years before that. So we're talking maybe five, ten years, and then boom, it happens. And that's why people are freaked out because they notice that. And now they're freaked out with that latest film that Obama just uh, produced, the Obamas. And I think people kind of overrepresent how much, say, the Obamas actually have in any of these films. I don't think they have any. I just think their name goes on it. But nonetheless, mm-hmm. uh, Leave the World Behind, where it depicts this giant catastrophic event that basically – collapses the United States. And now people are like, oh, is this what you're talking about? Is this a Satan's prophecy? Well, there, there, there's a movie coming. I was, I went to the movies a couple months ago and I, there's a movie coming out here in a few months. It's called Civil War. Yeah, right. Yeah, everybody's it, talking it, about that. Yeah. It's about California and, and Texas breaking away from the United States and other states. And, 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 and I don't think people realize that there's, there's red flags happening right now. And, and, you know, there is this spiritual war going on, and I think people need to wake up to that spiritual war. There, there's the top of that auditorium. So even from the outside, <laughs> they yeah. have it even next to the snake here. Yeah. Well, okay, so there's uh, we're trying to figure out exactly. So it looks like the original construction was 1971. I don't know what types of renovations they've done in recent. It looks like there were some other dates there. They also put the solar panels on top, too, to you know sell you that false prophecy mm. that uh, that that somehow that quote-unquote green sustainable energy is the answer when everybody knows it's not, the, the, the data's out, it's it's just simply not. But, yeah, I, I just wonder, and it's right there in a what appears to be kind of a traditional Italian area with other traditional Italian architecture, and they put that ugly snakehead in there. They don't even make like a beautiful traditional Catholic church. Yeah. No, it's it's definitely, it's definitely depicting uh, the serpent and, you know, uh, what I read in the Bible, literally the the enemy to the uh, to humanity is the serpent. Uh, interesting. Uh, we really 
need to understand. We need to wake up to things that are really happening and uh, what's really happening in our world, what's happening in the church. And I mean, how can you walk in there and sit in there? How could you be those nuns that are sitting there and not see what's going on? I mean, it's, or it's feel, amazing to Or me. feel what's going on. Exactly. Exactly. Um, the whole, the whole uh, uh, movement of the Catholic Church right now is in a very, it's in a decline. It's, in, it's, it's heading in the wrong direction. Yeah, and the Pope is doing nothing about it. And and bishops and in fact, you were telling me about a father James Altman, and I'm sure I'd seen the story before, but you were reminding me that he got removed from the Catholic Church for speaking out against the vaccines, right? Yeah. Uh, well, he, yeah. Not only the vaccines, he was speaking about a lot of things, laws that are being pushed right now. You you have to realize, in you know, in the Catholic Church, time moves like syrup. You know, the things they do, the decisions they make, are are tens. 20 years apart, they've made more decisions probably in the last five years than they've made in the last hundred years, maybe 200 years. And, and in reality, when you take a look at these decisions and the things that are being pushed, it's, it's, uh, it's wicked. Well, and that's what it used to be. That's what smart institutions would do. It was, they would make it hard to make changes because that can be dangerous. We see the same thing politically in America you know, it used to be really hard to get a bunch of things done. Now the president, as Obama said it, hey, I got a pen, I got a paper, I'm just going to be a dictator. Biden doing the same thing now. Yeah, no, I mean, they're, they're, there's, that's their agenda and that's what they're pushing. All right. The great thing, though, about that, they can be erased quickly. Yeah, that's true. And maybe, uh, maybe that'll happen. Pastor Michael Petro is my guest. One more break, one more segment. I mean, just look at the beauty architecture there. And now uh, Satan is occupying it. It's really unfortunate. We also discover, of course, a Baphomet head at the new uh, little satanic auditorium that the Pope preaches from the mouth of the serpent. I mean, you can't even make this stuff up. It's, it's truly amazing. But we were also talking about in the break here, you know, these artists, quote-unquote celebrities, the stars, fallen stars, selling their souls to Satan. You were mentioning the Bob Dylan interview where he said that. On, six, on 60 Minutes. 60 Minutes. But there's also been, I, I'm going to go down a list here. And, and you were talking about Jimmy Levy saying the same thing. But there's also, there was that one former, was a young girl, a Disney star. I forget her name. She came out and a friend was just filming her talking. She was like, she was like, yeah, I was, she was big on Disney. And then they started trying to do Satan rituals on her. She had to leave. There was that other young girl, Whoa Vicky, talking about how they do these weird blood sacrifice parties. And she was like, okay, I'm not into this. Even the Island Boys, which there's a lot of wild conspiracy theories out there about them, uh, even when they were coming up and getting famous, they came out in interviews and said, yeah, we had to sell our soul to the Satan, and we regret it now. We regret that that's what we had to do to get this fame, but now here we are. And these are what the children of America are supposed to look up to and be influenced by. Yeah. Well, the, uh, obviously, that's part of the agenda. You know, it's just not about... Uh... It's not about just uh, the selling your soul. Any one of those people could repent and literally give their heart to Christ, but it would take a full commitment. You know, um, there is power behind it. One of the things that Jimmy Levy said to me, he said, there is power behind what these people are doing. And Jimmy said, I never felt that kind of power until I went there. And he goes, and I realized it was real. It wasn't just, you know, just a ritual or just a, you know, here, come and do this and, and, you know, to be one of us. He could feel there was another force there, he said. 
And when he seen that, he said, I don't, I don't want any part of this. And actually, Jimmy turned down a, lo- a large sum of money to, to, he's to, very serve, talented. to serve the Lord. I mean, he's very, you know, I, I appreciate him. He's to turn down what he turned down, showed me the commitment of his heart to serve Jesus. So, you know, but this is all stuff that's happening right now. This is not something that is, uh, you know, make believe or conspiracy. This is re- real time events. And uh, honestly, I mean, we need to wake up to all the, there's a, a bigger agenda than just, you know, a few things that are going on right now. Well, and, you know, you, you go back to like 60s, maybe 70s is, is the better decade to look at this. But when when rock and roll mu- music was becoming popular and, and kind of heavy rock and heavy metal and like ACDC and they'd wear the devil horns. And it was kind of this play on this whole institutional of, oh, rock and roll satanic or whatever and and that was kind of the big issue well that was more i think some teasing there's probably some real stuff there but now the people they put in front of these children like lil nas they don't hide it they're not putting devil horns on themselves to troll christians or something they're doing full-on satanic rituals in music videos and then they're pushing them on the internet algorithms to get billions of views and so the children so the children can see that yeah, I mean, it, it's scary. And that's that, a talentless... I mean, Jimmy Levy has a hundred times the talent that Lil Nas has, but one sold his soul to Satan, the other didn't. Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, what are they going for? What, what? I mean, across the board, they're trying to infect our younger generation. They're doing it from the schools. They're doing it by the books they're putting in schools. They're putting in, in the videos. You know, it, it's across the board. You know, I, I have a friend of mine. He used to be a Satanist priest. And I brought him over to the church one time to share his testimony, and uh, he's very w- well known. But uh, he said, you know, when he was a Satanist priest, he said, if you call Satan or if you call those demons, they'll come to you. So people flippantly say stuff, and they don't realize those spirits are attracted to to when you call them. And again, this is a spiritual war. We're in a spiritual fight. And and there's so many things, Owen, that are crossing over. I mean, we could get into so many things right now that all are saying the same thing that, you know, I, you you have to wake up to it. You have to say the war that we're in right now is just not a political war. I mean, if you're going to cut the head off the serpent, really, you've got to start from the spiritual side of it. And, and uh, the other side's doing it. The other side is doing it. There's people in our government that are doing it. The papers, the papers have been out on those people, and, and you know, I mean, I mean, when when uh, think about when Biden had his inaugural speech, how eerie it was, how how dark it was. And I and, wonder what how dark his State of the Union address coming up is going to be. Well, I, I don't know, but you know, these are these are those things that we have to pay attention to. Yeah, that's the uh, the movie that Dave Grohl what the Foo Fighters did talking about how he kills all his bandmates. I think it's called like hotel six, six, six. And then unfortunately Taylor Hawkins right there on the screen ends up dying. Uh, likely a, a vaccine side effect. He was bullied into taking that. But you know, when you talk about, have you, I don't know if you've seen the movie nefarious, but it's all about 
demonic possession. And I and I think that there's a very real thing. I mean, I, I'm gonna I, I'm gonna show you an individual that I think is demonically possessed here. Well, I've, I've cast demons out of people all over the world. So okay, it, well, it's then, a real deal. Then let's look at this. This is MSNBC's Joy Reid. You just take one look, and she looks like a demon. But then you listen to what she says, and it's just totally confirmed here in clip five. The United States has a population of north of 327 million people. Why do we need more kids? I mean, your party, Senator Tuberville, is the one screaming you need more kids? that 10 million immigrants, which I don't even know that that number even makes any sense because it doesn't, um, have streamed the, into the, the country since data Joe Biden has been president. And you're claiming that that's too many people, that if more people come into the southern border, this is some sort of crisis. So, because we, right, we've we, got we get the point. This woman needs to have demons cast out of her. Um, mm-hmm. What do you think? I think she got issues. You know, I uh, I was listening to a lady that was on, uh, uh, she was a black Democrat, and she was on Sid Roth's show. She literally said she went through a deliverance to come out of the Democratic Party. And when I heard her testimony, she said she was over the toilet throwing up for hours uh, when she needed to be set free. Like an exorcism. Stuff. Like an exorcism, yeah. Uh, I've seen people slide on the floor, slither on the floor like snakes. I've seen. I see. I see many of those. Things. I see liberal hosts do that on TV every day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Except they're on a news desk. You, you, you know, it, you, it, it's there. It's and it's all over the world, and it's here in the United States too. But, but imagine, I mean, that's in the Bible: be fruitful and multiply. But 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 imagine, it's just like, oh, what do you mean? There's we have enough people. We don't need kids. Has have you never like held a newborn? Sure. Like, have you never been around a, a, a child? Don't you have family? Have they never? I mean, it's just like, how could you even, how can you hate the children? You know, that's what it is. How can these people hate the children? They love abortion and they hate the children. They want to hit the children with all this BS. Trans kids, you're gay, you're this, you're the other, you, you might be a camel. It's like, they hate children. Well, if you think about all those things, what, what do they create? Especially when you get a child at a young age. If you're if if you're going to have a trans child, that child will never be able to reproduce. Bingo. If, if you're going to have a a, a a son that is uh, going to marry another man or a daughter that's going to marry another woman, all of a sudden you start you start knocking out population. And so, really, what what she is talking about is depopulation. And people don't realize this is happening. Also, uh, I I fear for our kids because they're really under attack right now. Uh, how how do you make a child, you know, a, a Democrat or a Republican? You start at an early age. You start in school. And that's what they're doing. Exactly. 100%. And see, that's what – and that's actually what's so satanic about it is they don't just outrightly present it to you like, oh, this is Democrat Party propaganda. Oh, you're you're for love. You're for LGBTQ rights. You're for inclusion. You're for diversity. You're for Black Lives Matter. So they dress it up with all these bells and whistles – but really, it's just Democrat Party propaganda. Well, I mean, you have head Satanists coming out and saying that this is all what we're for, and it's all the same stuff. They put uh, up yeah. a they put up a Baphomet statue in the Iowa Capitol and then got mad because a guy t- tore it down. Yeah, well, and they're tearing down statues all over the yeah. country, right? Yeah. So hey, you know, they still what do they tear down a hundred? So th- this guy gets one. So <laughs> <laughs> and he's going to probably maybe spend a long time in jail. Hopefully not. Well, the, the right. one guy was telling you about in the in the church with the the bingo, he got beat up, right? And guess who went to jail? He did. Yeah. Well, that's what you do. You stop a crime from happening. You're the criminal. That's that's the new way.
Pastor Michael Petro, where is the best place for people to uh, follow your work with your church? Uh, you can get with us at uh, voh.church, Michael, Michael Joe Petro, uh, dot com. Uh Yeah, get on our site and, and get a hold of us and, uh, and, and come and see us. It's nice to have a pastor telling it like it is. We need more of them out there. And boy, oh boy, does Houston need help. My God, Houston needs help. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that does it for today's edition of the InfoWars War Room. We're going to take a 21-hour break. We're going to do it all again tomorrow. We will see you then.